You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It's a series dub. Happy pod. Much needed. I see a smile on the face of Tyler Milliken. I know Jake's happy. He's fighting through a Celtics loss right now, but Sox won big. Jake, how are you feeling right now? What's what's the where are you at right now mentally? I mean, Celtics loss hurts, obviously, but they blow it every round and then somehow come back. So I'm not super worried. Yeah, but it's only game. Got to got to be happy about the Sox. Got to be happy about the Sox. I'm happy about the Sox. I know Tyler, you're happy about the Sox. There's uh, more than just the Seattle Mariners series to discuss on this episode. We've got we've got some Red Sox news to digest that uh, I think a lot of people will be happy about. Uh, I think that people will not necessarily be surprised about said news. I, I Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you scott it, Jared, but yesterday when Pavetta had those first three innings, I got a lot of people who were like trying to dance on us and like, yo, you've been putting Pavetta in a grave, like all this disrespect. And all I did was tweet out like, need more of this Nick Pavetta that, you know, got through three innings without giving up a run. There are, there's still a lot of team Nick Pavetta people out there, which surprises me, but there really? are as a starter. Like I was getting like, oh, you know, he you got to give him a chance. He's been your most consistent guy the last couple of years. Like you guys were so disrespectful, like yada, yada, yada. It's like, have, have you been watching the guy pitch? Like, is it that tough? Like we were sitting there thanking the heavens that he gave you five and a third and four runs. His ERA went up and we were happy. Think about that. And his ERA was 620 to begin with. It's 630 now. Yeah, you got you got to spare me with that. Like, I was not. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I, I was a big Pavetta honk. Like, I was defending the guy. Uh, I wasn't ready to die on that hill like I was with Caleb Ort, um, <laughs> which I'll still I'm happy to die on that hill some more when when he comes back. Uh, just saying, just saying, do you realize the call ups? They chose Justin Garza over Caleb Ort. Well, Caleb Ort, they're, 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 he's resting. From what? He still hasn't Caleb. recovered from Baltimore? No, 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 no. You're, first of all, shut up. <laughs> am I wrong? <laughs> they legit said, I am good. We, we badly need another righty in this bullpen. We are going to take Justin Garza, who we claimed like two weeks ago, off waivers. Is he related to Matt Garza, do we know? They brought that up on the broadcast, but I don't think so. What do you mean you don't think so? If they brought it up on the broadcast, they they didn't know either. No, they like Kevin Millar was like, you remember Matt Garza? And then that was like a three minute discussion. That was it. That was it. Well, I don't listen. We're not going to talk about Caleb Ward on this episode. We're Thank just not going to do it. Red Sox won the series. People are excited. A lot of people. And, and, and listen, I'm not going to mention any names. OK. But there was a, a radio show, maybe. Oh, can I say the name? On a competing station, uh, Tyler? From a guy who used to work at the sports hub? From a guy who may have 
have worked at the sports hub previously, but no longer does who, I mean, I, again, listen, I, I, I get the point that they're trying to make. We do a four hour radio show every day. We're going to oh, put our, they have to out. have takes they, uh, every day, Jared, every day. every day. Come on. I get it. I get it. Um, but you've got to at least be able to see down the road. You can't just live and die on what happens that day. Like I get, you have four hours to fill, but it's like the Red Sox have a bad week and they're like, this team sucks. And then they have a hot week and they're like, oh, we'll wait for them to suck again. And then they lose four games. Like, oh, I told you they suck. Did did you watch the fucking games? Like, seriously, that's my question. Did you watch the games? Did you watch the Cardinal series or did you just, you know, let the weekend go by, do whatever you want to do and look back and said, oh, look at the Cardinals record and the Red Sox just lost three times in a row to them. Is that what you did? Did you not watch the games? Where the Red Sox, a lot of people did that. A lot of people did because guess what? A lot of people aren't going to sit there and be 162 guys with us and kind of power through. When Kenley Jansen blows two saves on two games, you should have won. In the Mm -hmm. second game, like Wilson Gutierrez pulled the bullshit he did. That that isn't even allowed anymore. Like it's an illegal move. Less than a week later, rule change. Yeah, yeah. So immediate rule change. So I, I mean, again, to your point. We kind of talked about this at the last episode because of the St. Louis Cardinals series. And it's like, all right, if you're if you're listening to the podcast because you want to keep up with the Red Sox, maybe you're not a 162 guy or a 162 girl and you want to know what happened in the series. You're like, oh, St. Louis Cardinals just swept the Red Sox. They suck. That's bad. But then, you you know, you sit there, you either watch the games or you hear about the games and they played winning baseball for 16 innings. They played losing baseball for two and they lost two games on Friday and Saturday. Sunday, you give it to you. Tip your cap. All right, fine. But that still should have been a series win for the Boston Red Sox. And then you follow that up with a, a, a three-game set against the Seattle Mariners, uh, who had a winning record, I believe, right? They had a winning record coming in. Yep. And now they have a losing record. So, I mean, obviously, they're, they're floating around 500, but this is a playoff team from a year ago that's still a very good team. They just haven't really gotten it going yet. Uh, they are in a, in a somewhat, comparatively speaking, to like the AL Central, they're they're in a competitive division. You've got the Astros. The Rangers apparently are good this year. Uh, t- compared to the fucking Central, it's a good division, the West. Um, so, yeah, you, you, and you, you went up against some guys. Like, the, like those starters that, that you knocked around, those were, I mean, albeit besides uh, Marco Gonzalez, who that, that was what they were supposed to do against Marco, and I, and I love Marco. I've said that before. Um, but Luis Castillo, very good pitcher. You won that ball game. Uh, I think, I think when, you you kind of like and I, I always get I, Felger used to hate me for this, but it's like stick spare. First of all, spare me. Second of all, stick to hockey and football. I, I always get crucified for looking at baseball seasons in fragments. You have to like you can't just look at the standings and be like, that's what that team is, because case in point, the Cardinals. Yeah, they get the worst record in the National League. They get a positive run differential. They're playing really good baseball right now. Like you, you would look at the standings and be like, well, that team sucks. Can't wait for the Cardinals to come to town. But at the end of the day, you don't want the Cardinals to come to town right now. They're playing good baseball with the Red Sox. They're what now? Four games over 500. Yes. Four games over 500. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's a last place team. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to play the Boston Red Sox. No, no. And, and, and for as much as we have come down on the rotation, for being the Achilles heel of this team. Uh, that has not been the case lately. And it's improving. And it's improving because the big news, obviously, we're going to talk about the series. We're going to break down the games. But Nick Pavetta is going to the bullpen. As you might have heard, Nick Pavetta 
to the bullpen, which means the rotation is going to continue to get better. And when you look at, again, the overall numbers of the rotation, you might be like, oh, the rotation sucks. All right. But a lot of those numbers are inflated by uh, Nick Pavetta, (laughs) who is no longer in the rotation. Uh, They're inflated by a couple of shit starts against the Orioles for Chris Sale, who's been dominant. Uh, Brian Bayo didn't start the year up here. He's been really fucking good. So you, you, you have to take a deeper dive. Like if you're just going to close the book and be like, well, the Red Sox don't have a chance this year because their rotation sucks. It's going to continue to get better. And what's the update on Garrett Whitlock? He's going to pitch Sunday. He threw really well down in AAA on Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, Tuesday. He threw four innings. He gave up one run. It was a solo shot. Stuff played well. He feels completely healthy. And it wasn't just him who followed him after. Cutter Crawford for three innings was touching 96. Like, do we forget what Cutter Crawford was giving you out of the bullpen before that hamstring injury? Wasn't like a low one ERA? He was fantastic out there. He's incredible. So now you're getting that guy back. You're getting a Garrett Whitlock back. Those are two of your more talented arms on the entire team right now. And you did lose one in the series. We'll touch on John Schreiber, right? But yeah. You know, pitching should be better. The ex- We're watching Brian Bale, even though he battled his command today. Last three starts, it's a 281 ERA. He's only going to get better with every single start. Chris Hill looks better with every single start. James Paxson, one start in, looked amazing. You hope Marco Gonzalez was raving about the guy, talking about their time in Seattle together and how they work out during the offseason. And I believe he said that when Paxson's throwing 96, he's like one of the three to five best lefties in all of baseball. That's the kind of praise he got from Marco Gonzalez, a fellow lefty. So like, mm-hmm. that's the stuff you're playing with here. That's stuff you get excited about. That's the stuff you dream on. And we're watching that offense that everyone wanted to tell you that was, oh, they fell off so quickly. Everyone had those tweets the last you know couple days or so before yesterday. Look what happened. Cold for a couple days. They woke back up. They absolutely beat down the Mariners the last two days. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where are you at right now? After let's call it the last week, because we haven't seen like this is the big kicker for me. Obviously, you get swept by the Cardinals. You take this series against the Mariners. So you're feeling better because it's all right. You you know, that was a tough blow over the weekend, but you're back on the horse. You took a series against a really good team. But for me, you didn't see Kenley get back on the horse like that. We two podcasts ago, we had a whole discussion about. The Red Sox are be- so much better. They, they flip-flopped their record from a year ago to this point because they have a bona fide closer who you can go to in the ninth inning and be like, this game's fucking over. Uh, how do you feel about the Red Sox right now, given that, yes, they took this series from Seattle, but we didn't see Kenley get right yet? I think I feel really good on both fronts. If I'm being honest, I think Red Sox wise, like this is the kind of series where last year you have a couple blown saves. You come into the next series, that team would spiral the 2022 Red Sox, a couple blown starts. And you knew the next two weeks were going to fucking suck for you. Like they were going to struggle to kind of get their footing and get their confidence back. Shout out to Alex Verdugo, who pulled this team together after dropping the series opener against Seattle. First time he's ever did that. The entire team spoke to them, got them ready, set the tone off rip in game two, running out that, you know, lead off grounded or Colton Wong that he kind of bobbled and he ended up beating out and it kind of set the tone for the rest. It gave that Red Sox team that juice we've been looking for. That's a sign of a really good baseball team to me. You get punched in the mouth. People are already, you know, turning on you saying, oh, look, every oh, 
Heim Bloom, look at all the Bluminati. They took their uh, victory lap so fast. Like people are waiting and praying on this Red Sox team to fail so they can laugh at it. So their offseason takes can kind of go out there and they can throw them up in the air. It's like, no, this team showed up and just took two out of three out of a very good Mariners team. A team that a lot of people had in a wild card spot. Definitely ahead of you. I didn't see many people saying the Red Sox were going to be better than the Mariners. And I think we, you said earlier, you were asking if they were above 500. I think they were 20 and 20 coming into this series. Um, but you showed up against well, no, them. Is there a game? Aren't they a game under right now? They're 21 and 22 or 21 and yeah, 21 and 22. Okay. So you get one win, you lose two, right? Um, but I, I think with that and Kenley, right? I look at Kenley and I say, I think a break was the most important thing for him. Get a couple days. I want him to get the break in the second game against St. Louis. Now you've gone a couple days to process everything that happened. You had that little weird rule thing. You don't even have to think about that anymore. It's over. Come back fresh. Look like the Kenley we've seen early in the year. He was working kind of heavily and they leaned a lot on him that first month and call it five weeks. I expect him to be the Kenley Jansen. Is he going to be April Kenley all year? I, that's hard to believe, right? You're, is he going to throw 96 the whole season? Probably not. But just give me healthy Kenley that's going to go out there and get the job done most of the time. And this Red Sox team's going to be fine. Just like Josh Winkowski came out yesterday and looked like the Josh Winkowski we, you know, missed a need on this Red Sox team. Mm. Yeah, you, you needed that. I felt great out there. Yeah, you looked great. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Because I believe in the Memorial Day rule. And I, I think I brought this up in the last episode. It's very hard to not look at the standings already. Like, it's very hard. Like, it, and it's not about because before, I think like in 2018, you were looking at the standings because you're like, this is a first place team. We better fucking stay in first place. Like the Yankees, I think, caught the Red Sox at what? Like the, the Red Sox started off, what, 17 and two or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And the Yankees caught them at one point in May. And it was like, God damn it. Like we had this historical start to the season and that wasn't enough like we had like a Tampa start to the season this year in 2018 and that look wasn't at, enough to be like the division's fucking over look at Tampa's start right now like it, it was an incredible start but it, they're only at three and a half up on Baltimore like that's all dude that's a week that's not even a week that's a series that's a four game yeah. series that goes the other way and the way yeah. Baltimore's playing right now are you kidding me like yeah. I'm depressed every day when I look on the MLB app and I see they won I just expect it at this point yeah, Tampa's five and five in their last ten. They lost tonight, walk off bomb by uh, Pete Alonso in uh, in New York. But I I am very tempted recently to look at the standings, not so much to be stressing about are the Red Sox in a playoff spot. I look at the standings now to ask myself the question: Do you think that you're better than the teams that are currently ahead of you? That's that's it. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, man, I'm stressing out because the Red Sox currently are not in a playoff spot. Like, as of right now, as of this recording, the Red Sox are a half game back of the Yankees uh, who have the same. No, that the Yankees, the Yankees are uh, uh, just ahead of you in the wild card. So, like, you're a half game back and uh, like Houston's in there. They won again. They've won four straight. Um, but what I was saying to Maz tonight was, you know, we were having the same conversation about like, are you better than the Rangers? Like, are you better than the Astros? No. Like, are you better than the Mariners? Yeah, probably. Uh, in the Central, you're better than everybody. But it really comes down to, can you finish in fourth place in your own division? Like, it is very realistic 
that you can finish in fourth place in the American League East this year and make it to the playoffs. Like all this like Dan Shaughnessy shit being like, oh, the last place Red Sox and blah, 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 last place again. It, it's not like that this year. This division is outrageous. Like you calling the Red Sox a last place team is not the insult that you think it is, especially when you consider that the Red Sox are a half game back of the Yankees who lost tonight, walk off for Danny Jansen. Uh, that's a playoff spot. <laughs> you, you, you're a half game back of fourth place, which is a playoff spot right now. So that's that's it. Like, I'm not I'm not stressing about positioning right now. I think mainly I want to know, are you able to hang in? Are you able to hover around? Because I think something that we we, we brought up earlier in the season was. The not going over the luxury tax, right? Like at, when the trade deadline rolls around, you know that they're not going after a big fish because they want to stay under the luxury tax and reset the threshold. Fine. You're going to get Trevor Story back, though, right? You're going to get Adam Duvall back, right? It, that's going to be your Chris Sale-like prize that you waited for the last couple of years. That's what they're going to say. Which sounds like poor it. people shit because in years past, we were told that, right? Like in years past, we were like, well, our our big trade deadline acquisition is going to be Chris Sale because he's coming back around that time. And for the most part, not wrong. Like, you know, you add a Kyle Schwarber and people were like, oh, that's it. He's hurt. And like, what's he going to do? And he ended up being outstanding for you. And Chris Sale was, was great. Hansel Robles. Uh, Hansel Robles was outstanding as well. It's not like they can do nothing. They can do some things, but they are obviously very uh, handicapped with what they can and can't do. And I, I'm buying in this year. Like in previous years, I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, don't sell me on that. Especially because they were they were teams that were over the luxury tax. Like, you can you can afford to add, you can afford to spend, you can afford to go get some some shiny toys for us. But this year, getting Trevor Story and Adam Duvall back, that makes you a lot better. And it's not so much getting guys back. I mean, it is, it is getting guys back that are healthy, but it's more so making the puzzle pieces fit where and I, I'm going to revisit a conversation that we had a few weeks ago. It's going to have to be Corey Kluber, right? Like it, the the dream rotation of like these pieces fit. That means Pavetta bullpen Kluber. Don't know what that means for him. Like, cause I don't necessarily want like Pavetta is a guy that I think you can move to the bullpen. and He can still help your team. Corey Kluber, you move him to the bullpen. I don't think that he's helping your team. He's just kind of taking up a roster spot at that point. But your dream rotation with with what you've got right now, Sale, Bayo, Paxton, Whitlock, Cutter Crawford, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, it's what way do you want to pick? I think in the Red Sox, like, it's Cutter or Tanner Houck. It's which one do you want to see in that rotation and buy in on? Um, I, I think that's the conversation we're going to have when Garrett Whitlock comes back, right? But I do mm-hmm. think that would be an interesting kind of statement from the Red Sox, right? If they said, hey, Tanner, you're going to the bullpen and we're flipping you a cutter who's already in the bullpen. Like that, that's a bit of a, you know what? We look at Tanner Houck and while we've kind of said all these things that we believe with the cutter and the splitter that he can be a starter, we're kind of changing our evaluation again a little bit and bringing it back in. Because then you are rolling with Cutter Crawford. And if you ask me, like I said it during the offseason, I, I believe in Tanner Houck as a reliever long term. Um, but you can go and make the point like someone like Mitch Keller went through a lot of the same struggles that Tanner Houck did. Look at what he did in that first game where he looked so good through four innings. It's like 
Everybody you, always does. Right? You you sit there and you buy into it. And I, I tweeted out the splits. It's like you go to like a mid 800s OPS the second time through. And it's kind of you're reliving the same thing over and over. It's just, do you ever hope that guy can take that step? And he can suddenly yeah. figure out the fifth inning and the sixth inning. And then you have this weapon. Or do you look at someone like Cutter Crawford and you're willing to give him that run again? It, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a back and forth convo. I think right now with them, it feels more like they lean uh, in the direction of Tanner Houck because he's still out there and they're keeping Cutter in the bullpen when he comes back. But I'd sit there and I'd tell I don't you know if that's the right call, because if it, you, it, if you just, I don't disagree with you. But I think the conversation becomes with Schreiber going down. Do you need someone like Hoke that you really know is a late inning elite weapon and that can play a little bit more for you? Because Nick Pavetta is multi innings. Josh Winkowski is multi innings. Cutter Crawford's multi innings, right? Tanner Hoke can fit in multi innings. But you can also go push Tanner Hoke and say, be the guy you were in June last year when the Red Sox were at their best and he was basically closing out for them consistently like we Mm -hmm. need that guy back there again and that's where they're going to have to pick their fight here yeah i i mean i i just the way that i see it is we know what tanner hauk is we know what he is as a starter we know what he is as a reliever cutter crawford is more intriguing like we we've seen him in spot starts like especially last year he had that start in seattle where it was like okay like this is this is fucking great. Um, the larger sample, obviously, it didn't go his way. But I think that he wasn't given an ample amount of time to prove himself as a starter. And he definitely wasn't given any level of consistency. Like right now, like Tanner Houck has been consistently a starter. And we're seeing it. And we know that the whole second time, third time through, like that's a thing. And that's OK. Like it's not like saying like, all right, yeah, fuck this guy. No, no, no. It's just like, all right, well, uh, we know that you can dominate your first time through. Uh, that still to me says multi-inning reliever, which is valuable. Uh, but with Cutter Crawford, it's like, well, what does this guy look like consistently in, in a rotation at the big league level? Do we know what that looks like? I, I don't think that we do not, not consistently at least. So I don't know. They have their options, but again, this is a conversation about your fifth starter more or less, right? Like, which, cause you're talking th- that's Dale, being in a Mayo, good place and yeah. Whitlock. Like you're good. Like the, that you're going to, you're in a great place. Like I, that's why the central point of looking at the season in fragments, in sections, and first impressions being big, the first impression was this rotation sucks. Okay, that iteration of the rotation sucked in April. But now, Sale has improved. Paxton's here. Bayo's here. Whitlock's coming back. And then you have this competition for the fifth starter spot that hopefully does not involve Kluber, who is a guy that he is most certainly is what he is. We know what that looks like. It's not going to get any better. And there are better options. So that's a good problem to have. Like, yes, it's a debate. Yes, it's a it's going to be a difficult decision. But ultimately, good problem to have because either you're going to get a good fifth starter you're going to get a multi-inning reliever who's more than capable of filling that role or both. I think where the Red Sox are right now, they don't know where they're going with it. I think they're in the spot of let's play it out and let's see what happens. I think similar to what they did with Pavetta, where they were like, let's see, maybe an injury pops up and it figures this whole equation out for us. Then they got to the point where they realized, yeah, we got to make a decision. But I think with Tanner Houck, it's like, yeah, there are those concerning splits. And 
I, you know, I am very curious to whether he can be a starter long term. Now, that what is that question, right? Do I think if you left Tanner Houck there every day in the fifth spot, yeah, he's going to give you like a 420 or 430 ERA. Like he has a 410 fit this year. That's what he's given you in 42 innings. So like, and you look at really his entire career as a starter up in this point, it's a 393 ERA. So it's like back end rotation. I think as much as I like Cutter Crawford and I've had him over Tanner Houck as a starter, do I expect Cutter Crawford to be much better than that? No. No. I expect Cutter Crawford to be a back end guy. I think then that conversation would become, well, who has a chance to reach a higher ceiling? Do you think Mm -hmm. if Tanner can somehow make one more jump, can he become that starter? And is that worth kind of seeing out right now when, yeah, we, we know Cutter's probably a fifth starter that you can lean on. Can you sit there and say, all right, well, we're going to get similar production out of Tanner, but let's feel this out and see if he becomes a mid-rotation arm. Can he yeah. make one more jump? And I, the other part of that conversation is Corey Kluber. Like, I, I hope the leash will get short, but I don't know if it will, at least in the next week or two when Garrett Whitlock comes back. I think they're going to continue to give him a little time here. I don't think they're at like the point of DFAing him or going down no. that way. I think they'd move Hulk in that position to the bullpen first and say, all right, we're just going to have a bunch of multi-inning arms out there and kind of feel it out and probably pair Kluber with one of them and say, all right, let's hybrid this like we did Rich Hill a year ago, where we're going to have one guy follow him and give it, you know, Kluber, you go four, we'll fuse you with call it Tanner like they did last year for three innings and run from there. And that way we're getting the best of both worlds a little bit. And we have our flexibility in case someone goes down or someone gets injured. And I'll throw this wild card, Shane Drohan at AAA. He got promoted this week. He did. If he carves up at triple AAA over the next, I don't know, let's call it three months, he could be having serious conversations about coming up in August. And that's a whole nother part of the equation that you start to say, well, this guy, in terms of pitching prospects and what he's showing right now, you had Bayo after him in recent years that's had this kind of pedigree. It's been quite some time. Mm. So that could be another for a team in Bloom and the Red Sox that wants young starters, young starting pitching. He comes in. And then you mentioned Brian Mata. He's out with a lat issue right now or a shoulder problem. He should. He doesn't have options after this year. You need to figure out what he is this year. I think the starter conversation is coming to an end very soon. And it should have been done already. Whatever. That's the Red Sox. He will factor into these bullpen conversations because we saw what that stuff is. So if you're worried about the Red Sox pitching staff, I get it. But there's more coming. There's they just it's about putting the right cocktail together. And if they do it wrong, they can fuck this up. This could go wrong for you, but if they do it right, you're talking about a great offense, a really good bullpen and a rotation that should still should, you know, have a high ceiling and a much better floor than I think many people think it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it, to, to go back to the point about Kluber, I don't think that a decision on Kluber is imminent. Like, I think that that's more of a wait and see, but I do think that the Red Sox are probably still they're they're in this in a similar frame of mind as we are where they can see those same numbers they can see the baseball savant can't throw strikes anymore like you're talking about a guy being cooked like if you can't throw strikes anymore Corey kluber hit the fucking road like that's it for you yeah and and i think also there will be uh two different roads that the 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 general reaction will take and the negative road will will say uh, a failed signing by Heim Bloom. Not wrong. Like you could you could have spent that money on something else. True. Or or 
I mean, you could do both. But the other way to, to look at this is they're serious about winning. Like if they're willing to eat that 10 million or the prorated amount for the rest of the season, if they're willing to eat that for the betterment of making a run at this thing this year, then yeah, like I get that we've talked about it a million times. This season is to figure out a, a lot of what you got. Casas at first, they're going to let him struggle. They're going to let him face adversity and hopefully come out of that. Look what's happened. Positive. Yes, we've seen a lot of positive out of Tristan Casas. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, they're going to see what they have there from a starting pitching perspective. You can do that. You can experiment and you can test out what you've got. But in the process of doing that, you can also make decisions that say we're kind of going for it like not like going for a championship but like let's let's get this team back to the fucking postseason and it's not impossible the path is there they do have the pieces they are talented enough it's we're not talking world series we're just talking about getting there and if that upsets you if you're saying wow man i remember the years with the red sox they, they were world series contenders every year i get it i get your frustration and i it, to an extent yeah it is a little pathetic when you're like oh i just want to get to the playoffs like yeah it is but that's the situation that you're in right now. Like that, those are the cards that you were dealt this season. Figure out what you got, but you can still win in the process. And we've made this point before a million times. Kenley Jansen, he's not brought here unless you're at least trying to win to some extent. Like, what's the point of signing a veteran closer that's still pretty good if you're not trying to actually win baseball games? I think it was a, a, a huge weakness last year and the year before and the year before. Uh, that's a, a, a spot that was addressed, but I still believe that despite the, the lack of wiggle room that you have financially to add at the trade deadline, you have enough pieces that are coming to where you can make this interesting for the whole year, be in it for the whole year and potentially get a spot in the playoffs this year. That's it. And I, I think you look at it. Look at a team like the Yankees who are injured, right? Like Carlos Rodon, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with him? If he, well, he finds threw from he threw from 90 feet today. And if he comes back, like Luis Severino's coming back, what is he going to look like? Like you could see how the picture can change. The Rangers, DeGrom. Stanton's coming back. Yeah, Stan. DeGrom's out. Corey Seager's been out for the Rangers. So like that team's going to get better. So there, there's a lot of, you know, balls in the air when you were talking about the standings and how other teams can get better. And guess what? You're going to get some pieces too. I think the important thing is like stay in the conversation right now. And, you know, it's going to be about what team gets hot at the right time. Can you show up in August and September when you probably need to? Or are you going to kind of die down? And are there reasons to say maybe the Red Sox could die down during the stretch? Sure. I, I talked about them at the beginning of the year. What's sale going to look like in September in his first full year back? What could Paxson look like? Brian Bayo in his first full major league season. We're watching Garrett Whitlock and his health issues. What could he look like? Who knows? You know, that's a good point about sale. Honestly, it, I mean, like we kind of just that'd be we a game changer for them. The fuck. Well, I'm thinking on the negative spectrum. Uh, like we just didn't know what he was going to be coming in. And then he struggles early. Now he's figured figuring some things out and he looks good. But 2018, 2019, like we've seen years where it's like the second half. It's like, well, where where is first half sale? So you can also just you can't bank on second half sale being as good as he's been on this, whatever five stretch of five, four starts, whatever. And you can throw that in about Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin, two older relievers as well, kind of anchoring the back of your bullpen. Um, and I think that's why they've been very careful with the rotation and kind of giving them some of these extra off days 
part of it was because they didn't want to make a decision and they weren't sure, but it's both, right? Can you give Sale more time? Can you give even a Kluber more time? Um, and, and that's it. I just think when it comes to Kluber, it's like the one thing that might accelerate the Red Sox and make a decision is it's not about just winning now. It's about developing now. Letting Tanner Houck or Cutter Crawford get starts this year and maybe prove themselves in that role is huge for your future moving forward where you can maybe pick one of those names and attach them to the Whitlock and Bayo. And who knows what Whitlock will be, but you hope, right? Like if Whitlock solidifies himself and Bayo does, and then one of them, and then you have Chris Sale, it's like, holy shit, we got four starters. Three of them are young and under control. Let's go and give a bag to Aaron Nola. And let's just say, you know, we're going to go over the luxury tax in 2024. And then you see all the pieces kind of come together and be like, oh, like Koss has had a full year to get under his belt. He's going to be better. Duran has a season under his belt. Like all these guys are going to take a step forward here. The Valdez Yoshida's first, you know, full seasons come and gone. There won't be maybe the ups and downs we've seen. Connor Wong maybe even continues to get better. Who's your starting catcher, by the way? Now, I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but just, you know, adding that note, I just I think ultimately where the Red Sox are, whether it's going to be a phantom IL stint for Kluber, I think it's more likely they're going to treat him as an opener kind of arm and they're going to pair him with someone. I, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, and they do it like they treated Rich Hill a year ago and say, all right, well, he can't get through five or six innings, but can you give me two? Can you give me two, three, maybe four if you're really feeling it like Rich Hill some days? And then we're going to bring out, you know, Cutter, Tanner and say, hey, give me three or four and let's ride from there. Yeah, I'm just I'm fascinated by the process. Like, I think when you're younger and you first start getting into baseball, and you see the roster on opening day and in your head, it's like a video game. It's like, well, yeah, we get this guy at third. We get this guy at short. And, you know, this is the rotation. That's just not real life. Like in 2004, every starter made every single one of their starts. That is fantasy land. That just does not happen. All five guys made every single one of their starts. I think if you look at the tail of the 2023 Boston Red Sox, we are in mid-May, we're almost at like the, what, 25% mark of the yep. season. Think about what you thought you had on opening day and what you have right now. And I think the first name that should come to mind is Jaron Durant. Like, Adam Duvall was leading the majors in F-War when he got hurt. You know who's leading the team in F-War right now? Jaron Duran. Yes. Like if think about the conversation around Duran back in spring training, it was like, bro, this is a make or break season for you. Uh, you're going to go sit on the bench for Team Mexico. What are you doing? Like you've got Adam Duvall out there who, by all accounts, c- can't play center field every single day. His offense is at its peak when he's not playing center field. They signed him to play center field because they don't the Red Sox don't believe that you can play center field show up in spring training and he puts on 20 pounds of rock hard muscle. It's like be in camp and try and compete for this job or at least show him that you're you're a different player this year didn't happen. So he was forgotten about almost instantly because there there were no highlights from the WBC with Duran and you did have Adam Duvall shoot out like a fucking cannon in the month of April and he was carrying the Red Sox and we were starting to feel the positive vibes go from spring training into the regular season. They're winning baseball games. They're winning series. 
took them one series to to win a, a series against the American League East, which they didn't do until August of last year. It was all great. Then Adam Duvall breaks his fucking wrist and you're like, oh, shit. Like that. And we talked about it like it was a house of cards. You remove Adam Duvall and it's like, oh, fuck. Now our shortstop is our center fielder and who's playing shortstop. It's like you Chang and Bob like it. it that one Duval injury, it looked like it was going to fuck up the entire season. And we were like three weeks in. Jaron Duran from the clouds is now leading the Red Sox in wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, leading the team. And, and your he best did not hitter this season here. 165 weighted runs created plus. He's been outstanding. And the defense. Like he had that one misplay, what in the in the middle game? I, I don't yesterday. even think it was a misplay. I think he just went to make a tough catch and he didn't come up with it. But it wasn't a bad route. You didn't sit there and say, "Oh, that was a bad jump." Like, no, he I just mean, didn't come I, down I with it. Yeah, it, it's more or less just playing it safe when you what was it three one at the time? Yeah, three one. It's like you've got the lead. Just play or it four safe. one. You yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to lay out for that. But whatever. It's like. Uh, Millar said on the broadcast, like, I respect the effort. Like, he went for it and didn't come up with it. It happens. It is what it is. Uh, but I think that that is the most fascinating thing. One of the most fascinating things about baseball is it's 162 grueling fucking games. And you just don't know what's going to happen. And to what you were speaking about earlier, Tyler, about like, you know, uh, they were probably just trying to play this out and the pieces will fall where they lie. Eventually, if 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 there there aren't injuries or whatever, or a guy sucks and you demote him, then you're stuck with too many pieces and not enough holes. So you have to make decisions like moving Nick Pavetta to the bullpen. But this the- is a team right now that I can tell you uh, they have the pieces to be a winning baseball team the whole way. You're a quarter of the season in. There's nothing fluky about it. They've showed you their flaws. Like, you can look at the Tampa Bay Rays, who have come back down to earth a little bit here. They're still very good, but they're not going to have a 900 winning percentage. But they will show you, hey, uh, you know, how Ramirez, not exactly a 330 with a thousand OPS guy. Like, it's just like there's some guys that are overachieving. And you can say that about Jaron Duran. He's overachieving. Or you can say, well, he spent the offseason working on some things and look at what he's become. Like, this was a this was a highly touted prospect at one point. Like, people saw something in Jaron Duran when he was a prospect that thought, like, this guy is going to be a star player. What if he just figured something out? Like, what if he just matured? What if he just got to a point in his career where he's become what he was supposed to become originally and you just saw you had to see the learning process at the big league level like that happens too but ultimately i feel good about what we got i i i there's not been a collective overachievement underachievement i think that this is just what they are and it's still good enough yeah they're in the mix and that's all we asked for coming into this year and you know, you add on to that list. Think guys you didn't know you had. Jaron Durant, Josh Winkowski, Cutter Crawford, Emmanuel Valdez, Connor Wong. Like It's crazy how you can kind of go down there and really pick up the names and be like, oh, wow, that guy's playing an important role. That guy really fits here. Um, who would have thought that? That's the stuff you're banking on. And when you go and say, oh, well, you know, it's only been a quarter of the season or whatever it is. The Red Sox entered today with the hardest strength of schedule in all of baseball. 541. The Yankees are number two. 
the Red Sox have gone against the toughest competition in the entire sport. And this is where they stand. Half a game out of a wild card spot. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't luck into that playing hard teams and you're just, oh, we found a way to be here. This is awesome. No, we're watching different parts when you have a really good bullpen, when you have a really good lineup. Those are main parts of your team that can carry you through different stretches. It's just when can you take that elevation? Can you take that next up? And that's the starting rotation we're talking about here. Whether you have ceiling in. If they didn't have ceiling, that'd be one point. But you can picture a world where certain things click and certain guys stay healthy and this rotation can compete. And that's all you can kind of really ask for. And all you can do from this point forward is let it play out. That's it. And you know there's reinforcements coming, so you sit and you wait on them. And you know, there's going to be ups and downs. If you're sitting there waiting, like some people are for every bad series to call this team bad, it's not going to work. Like you can sit there and try to pray and hope, oh, well, they lost a series. Look at it. They just got punched in the mouth by St. Louis and they came back and took two out of three from the Mariners. It's Mm. no small task. And it wasn't luck. They legit pummeled them to death the last two games. They just hit. They came out and said, look, this is how we won the first month of the season. This is how we did that eight game winning streak. Watch us do it. We won a game with friggin' Nick Pavetta on the mound. Brian Bale wasn't sharp today. We found a way. We have Ryan Sheriff and Justin Garza in our bullpen because we're not healthy. We're finding a way. Like, that's what good teams do. That's what teams with strong 40-man depth. In, in baseball, it's never been in. I made this point on Twitter because someone was bitching that I was giving credit to Pablo Reyes um, mm-hmm. and saying, oh, well, look. Look at this guy Heim found, and he's playing a major role already um, in giving this a boost. It's about depth. Last year, every time someone went down and the Red Sox called up on someone, they fucking shit their pants. They in some of those guys were Winkowski. Some of those guys were Cutter. Uh, it was a Duran after that first month and he cooled off. Jeter Downs coming up and giving you absolutely nothing. Now it's a different story. The Red Sox are finding guys. Bernardino. Yeah, he went down. He gave you two weeks and played a main part during that winning streak, right? That's what good depth will do for you. That's a guy who steps up into jo- until Joely Rodriguez is back. That's someone who bridges it. Pablo Reyes, you lose Christian Arroyo and you're like, oh my God, we've lost you, Chang. What else are we going to do? Like we are out of options. Kike is banged up at the start of the series with his hamstring. You're like, we don't even have options. The guy who can barely play shortstop isn't even out there. Pablo Reyes steps in and does the job for you. With big hits, big defense and kind of bridges it. That's good roster building. That's good roster depth. And when you're that deep and guys step up for you, that's a team that makes it over 162. That's the difference. That's a team that hangs around. The Red Sox haven't been that for really a couple of years now. They are this year. The baseball season's in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all this season's action. And right now, new customers can place a $5 bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg that you add up to 100%. Uh, I did a parlay tonight that I'm just now looking at. Did not hit, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think I had Chris, not Christian Kirk. That's a football player. Uh, Alejandro Kirk. Uh, to get a hit off Garrett Cole, he did. Uh, I had Spencer Strider at over what nine and a half strikeouts because I think he had like, I think I had him at like eight plus because he had n- at least nine strikeouts in every single start except for one. Struck out seven. Oh, go, go figure. There's absolutely fucking Spencer Strider. My Cy Young pick before the season. Love that pick though. Uh, join the big league action right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and sign up with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 
on any bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. Um, I will say this, Mr. Milliken. Uh-huh. All of the celebrity panel Clark's Ketchup Series MVP votes are in. Oh, wow. People are on top of it tonight. All of them. That excites me. Now, are they consensus or do we have a lot of different kind of consensus? Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Euclid submitted his vote before the game even ended. Legendary. Okay. Yeah. Just just hit me up in like the seventh (laughs) with the pick. Um, Our manager, Alex Cora, just hit me with his pick. So all the the celeb picks are in. It's just us and Coley now. Um, But. It is. Uh, it seems to there seems to be a favorite in the clubhouse right now. But after reading, like I just pulled up the numbers because they take like I don't know, like forty minutes after the game to to update. I'm looking at them, and this this pick may not have statistically had the best series. I'm just saying. I have a guy in mind. I don't. I don't want to jump ahead to it, but I I have a guy in mind. But it's also like look around. There are a lot of guys in this series, like Duran, Arias. That like had a lot, a lot of, of kind of big hits, a lot of big hits, a lot of guys. Did did you know they got Pablo Reyes for cash? I did know that. Did I just found out today that he got suspended for steroids? Though, did you know that? Really? You didn't know that? No, I did not. When did what year? I didn't know that. Uh, twenty twenty. Ah, so okay. I didn't know that either. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just found that out tonight. No, I I, I had no idea. Not, I'm not like shocked or anything. Like you talk like a quadruple A ball player. Like, all right, yeah, you're trying to find an edge or whatever. Yeah. Hey, it whatever it is, it's worked so far this year. Um, and listen, two I'm years later, here, I'm not three. here to slander Pablo Reyes. He's been outstanding for the Red Sox, but he was a minor league utility man, and in February of 2020, got popped for 80 games um, for b- bold Boulder known. Oh yeah, everyone everyone knows that. Of course, Jake Jake used to take that. Really. Yes, in high school all the time. <laughs> yeah, he was. A, yeah, he was taking Boulder known. Um, did you get good results from it, Jake? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, Jake's just so, hitting absolute tanks at his like local high school field. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, judgment free for me. I, I'm I'm pro steroids. I wish every baseball player took steroids, <laughs> but um, yeah, I did not know that until until this this evening. But um, either way. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about these games because uh, the opener was a big time stinker. We don't have to talk a ton about it. This was the uh, Tanner Houck game where he went five innings, four earned, one walk, six Ks, gave up a bomb. This was ultimately the uh, the swan song for Bernardino. Inning in a third, three hits, uh, struck out two, gave up a run. This was the John Schreiber injury game, which was probably the biggest thing to come out of that i mean obviously uh big dumper cal raleigh check him out on baseball is dead we did an interview with him on tuesday but on monday night became the first catcher in fenway park history to hit a home run from both sides of the plate absurd absolutely absurd that you had jason veritek here and somehow he did not own that stat crazy like you i've just in general, like there's been plenty of switching and catchers that have come, you know, through in the AL East and throughout baseball, but never do it once at Fenway. And neither one were cheapies. The second yeah. one was a fucking tank job. Yeah, you had bombs. Big dumper. Chili's bathroom. Chili's bathroom. He, he was cool. I, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed talking to him. Um, 
that was a those were, like I like doing those little interviews. Like that's gonna be like the plan now. Is I guess like I'm gonna go into the office on Tuesdays, do the sweat, and then from there go to Fenway and like whoever's in town, or um, like the weekends Friday. Like I'll go to Fenway with Jake and either do the interview Friday or set something up for whatever other day. But I mean, we got to get some Red Sox interviews going. Bad Duran. Oh, yeah. Is that a call out? Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Is there talk? Do we have uh, an idea or is it just? I mean, I'm just looking at off days now because I guess like I could go and do it at Fenway, but I'm trying to trying to let the dogs eat. I want Tyler Milliken and. In on that interview, you know what I'm saying? I, the, I, just like we had planned, I will be there. Give me the day and the time, I will be there for the interview. I mean, people don't know this. Tyler was going to cancel his entire birthday plans just to be at this interview for Jaron Durant. It, and dude, this was like, you know, what, oh, six days ago or whatever, like Jaron Duran, the Dustin Pedroia story had come out about mm-hmm. how all that had happened. Like, I told yeah. Jared, I was hyped up. I had questions ready to go. Felt like it was perfect timing, but you know, yeah. travel is travel. Hey. Listen, we're still going to get it. We're still going to get it. He said, we will reschedule. It wasn't a no, I don't want to do this. It was a, hey, we need to figure out a better time that works for Jaron Duran. And that's fine. I get it. These, these are busy individuals. I want to give him credit. His post-game interview, he's getting better on the mic, like getting more comfortable and kind of being himself. I thought yesterday post-game, listen to him talk about where the Red Sox are at. He's maturing, hanging around Justin Turner and all these guys. You hear it. Like he's talking. Last year, you had some of those moments where it was like, all right, Jaron, I don't know if you should be like talking about Haim and like how we're all kind of, you know, rocking that way or whatever. It's like you're young, like just kind of say, uh, you know, we played hard. That is what it is. Now it's like full blown. You know, we're going out there every day. We're just trying to win. I'm trying to pick up my guys. That's that maturity. I think a lot of fans were hoping for. Yeah. And and Justin Turner being that individual that's like, hey, follow me. Like, I'll show you how it's done. Probably a really good thing. Um, did you have any other thoughts on that opening game? Could be, I mean, I guess like the Shriver thing. Yeah, suck. I think that is a really big deal as we go along. And it's nice to win this series. He's going to be out a while. Like, I know they tried to like make it sound better on the broadcast or whatever it was today. Where He was flexing his hand and all that. Yeah, like Corey Kluber had that injury and that was it for him in 2020. Like he was shut down for the rest of that COVID season. So what you want to call that like two months already? Uh, so, you know, I don't think we're seeing him until... Maybe best case, July, August. Like, they have no timetable on it right now. Cora, that night before they had done all the imaging, was like, oh, we hope he's going to be back at the end of his stint. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So you're going to have to really uh, get by without one of your best arms with the guy they kind of treated like the fireman this year. Uh, You know, in the sixth inning, they need to get two outs to get through. Starting pitchers on the ropes, you go to him. And I will say, apparently he's been dealing with some stuff. He was banged up. Cora did mention that before. Uh, mm-hmm. And the presser saying, you know, the last week he wasn't fully right. They were kind of working through things. I guess he thought he was OK. And then something like that happens. It's just, you know, 212 ERA this year in 17 innings. That's not easily replaceable. So now it's what Josh Winkowski cutter. And you kind of hope, you know, maybe Tanner, depending on how these roles play out. Nick Pavetta, like it's really cutter, wink and Pavetta. Those guys need to somehow fill those shoes. And I don't know if they will exactly, but it puts more pressure on them. And it puts more pressure on Martin and Jansen as well. You know, that overall makes me a little nervous, but they're going to have to find a way. This bullpen has depth. It's just about putting the pieces together. But man, for the people that wanted to trade Schreiber, I know some of those people were, you know, saying, oh, well, look, we should have got rid of him at the deadline. I wasn't in that camp, but definitely a tough blow. You're losing from a strength on your team. 
Mm-hmm. Big time. And for all the talk about like, oh, like Schreiber, like the velocity is not the same and like it's it doesn't look the same. He was having a great year. <laughs> like, Finding a way, yeah. Yeah. With Despite that arm angle, like, like yeah. it, it, the deception is the biggest part of it for him. And that's what he said. He's like, my arm feels amazing. That's the worst part of this injury. It's like yeah. it's just shoulder stuff. Yeah. Um, in game two, by the way, did I see that Justin Turner has played in every single game so far? Yes. He hasn't started every game, but he has played he's in every appeared game. in every game. Old man, Justin Turner. That's crazy. I'm Good not for sh- him. I'm not throwing shade at JD, but he hasn't needed an IL stint doing all that stuff either. Also true. And, and he's played the field. At, yeah, that's the that's the kicker, because if you look at JD's offensive numbers this year and you compare them to Justin Turner's very similar, mm-hmm. very similar. But the difference is JT can play first. He can play second. He can play third. He can DH like he can do it all. So that is, uh, I think, a trade that the Red Sox would make 10 times out of 10 uh, and and the off the field stuff. And again, I, I'm not this is not like an attack on J.D. Martinez. I love J.D. Martinez, but J.D. is a baseball robot. And yes, he'll help guys. But like Justin Turner is it's a it's a different you're talking about different personality types. It's not um, an unwillingness to help because Rafael Devers would tell you that J.D. helped him a lot. But Justin it- Turner and Kike, when I interviewed Kike in spring training, and he talked about those Dodgers teams that had fucking MVPs out the ass, he's like, that was Justin Turner's team. So that's what you're getting. You're getting a dude that, yes, the offensive numbers look similar, but a dude that plays multiple positions in the infield, yes, he can DH as well, and listen to a kid like Jaron Duran be like, yeah, like, you know, Justin Turner has taken me under his wing, and now he's a completely different guy. Yeah, I think the difference is like JD is the kind of guy if you go up to him and you're like, hey, can you help me? He's going to help you. But yep. Justin Turner is the guy who sees a Jaron Duran standing in the corner and he goes, hey, buddy, like you OK? Like, what, what can I do to make your life easier? How can I help you? And that's where we've talked about putting your arm around guys, bringing them in. He has a hard ass. <laughs> Justin Turner? Yes. It's firm. Very firm. You felt? It was like, yep. Whoa. I, I, I don't know. Keep who, going. Who is- I don't know who he was talking to, but he was like talking to someone and I just backhand whacked his ass and it was like slapping an oak tree. Mm. I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need to also have Justin Turner on this podcast to discuss this. I'd moment. love to. Um, mm-hmm. But th- that's the difference. And I think no disrespect to JD. This is why they really didn't have any interest in bringing him back. They knew they needed someone like Justin Turner in the clubhouse. They needed yeah. this kind of you know, chemistry, this kind of, you know, every guy feels like they can lean on each other. They feel like someone's there to step up if they need it. There's you can talk, you can make mistakes like that's what it is. And props to Justin Turner, what he's doing in this series. I think we're watching a guy who's starting to figure out Fenway Park a little bit where like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was very opposite field heavy in L.A. Now that monster, let's have fun. Like he's up to five homers right now that puts him on pace for a little bit more power than he had last year. That's what you're looking for out of that guy. That versatility, it goes such a long way. Cora bitched about J.D. Martinez not being able to play the field for so long. Mm-hmm. To have a guy in Justin Turner who, at third base, what he did, what, was it the Cardinal series or before that? Fucking incredible watching that guy look like making Nolan Arenado jump throws at third base. And, you know, didn't always get the out, but it looked good. 
can move to second. First base, he has to work on the picks a little bit. That's something that I've noticed recently that's kind of scary at times. Um, but he can handle the position. Yeah. That's all you ask for, versatility. JD almost died trying to play the outfield. Yeah. JD almost died walking out to the outfield. That's what I'm saying. That's the incident that I'm speaking about. Like it, that's so scary. I, I just want to give JD credit because those narratives get long forgotten that he basically broke his ankle in the World Series in 2018 and still mashed. And then he almost separated his leg from his, his pelvis <laughs> uh, like the last <laughs> game of the season in 21. And he was nails in that postseason too. Like remember the fucking grand slam that he hit in Houston? It was nice because JD, you know, I was very heavy on the airwaves with a lot of criticism for JD Martinez for going quiet, you know, in that second half of the season and not being a guy when they were struggling to step up. He stepped up during the playoffs that year in a sure major did. way. Um, Julio. And I felt like it did buy him, you know, some more equity with Red Sox fans because I did feel like a lot of people were getting frustrated at the time. Um, but you frustrated? Can- Frust with an R. You heard me. Oh. Um, I think people can kind of sit there. You can appreciate both without putting one of them down. I think that's Correct. just what it is. And that's the right approach to take it. They're just different. They so One piece fits the puzzle, the current 2023 puzzle, better than the other. Just like J.D. Martinez seems to fit their puzzle in L.A. better than Justin Turner was. Yeah. You know what fits my puzzle perfectly? What? An ice cold blue moon. Mm. Mm. Jake, cracking no, hold on. Yes. Yeah. Fuck you, well, Jake. Yeah. Fuck Why? you. Jake, no, I, you didn't say anything. No, what he, he said last episode what did he, what was did he too say last far episode? about my say? dog exploding, about bullet well, exploding. Your dog, your dog did explode. He did Listen, explode. He flattened. Bruce seems to uh, disagree with that notion because he's playing the uh, the bullet tribute show on what? June what? What is it? 24th. June 14th. June 24th. 14th. Is that what it was, Jake? 14th, June 14th at the TD Garden, Bruce Springsteen is headlining the Bullet Tribute Show, uh, which I think they just added ZZ Top to that show. <laughs> Bow Wow's uh, opening, right? Yeah, Bow Wow will be there as well. But ZZ Top heard the podcast and they were like, we got we to gotta be there for this. So the, the list of acts, they might even go to two nights at this point. Um, because Ludacris was at, like he expressed interest on uh, on Instagram. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be there, but right now confirmed Bruce Springsteen, Lil Bow Wow and ZZ Top, maybe Ludacris at this at this show. The I need show Snoop Dogg. Get me Snoop Dogg. And I think we have a full fucking show here. Um, yeah, I will say I, you know, first grade Tyler Milliken here who was very traumatized and damaged from this. This was like yeah. the first thing in my life that really sent me to where I am today. Well, um, you killed your dog. I did not. My dog was murdered in cold blood. Um, okay. You know, I never really got closure on it. And Jake told a very sweet story uh, after last podcast that I feel like we should share. So <laughs> I don't know if it'll come across as sweet, but you know, this is like an hour after we recorded. It's like one thirty in the morning or something. I'm sitting there. there? You were in the group chat. You were awake or maybe you were awake in the morning. I don't know. Um, But I told it in the text thread. Yeah. You don't remember this? No. How little this meant to you and how much it meant to me. Oh, sorry. I was doing my notes for work the next day and Jake texts. Mm -hmm. He goes, I just heard a dog I've never heard before barking for five minutes straight. And it was like the weirdest thing. He's like, I had never heard anything like that. And after that episode, that gave me closure that 
bullet is out there somewhere barking, still barking mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Why are oh, you yeah. laughing? That's <laughs> not, it's not funny. This is emotional. No, I, 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 rem- I think I remember I texted the praying hands, didn't I? Something like that. And I think yeah, you did yeah. a hashtag. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. RIP bullet. Um, my dog didn't does it give explode. You, does it give you closure knowing that so many people out there love Bullet now that didn't even know that Bullet existed? Yes, and people who also had dogs named Bullet that they lost. I'm sorry for their losses. Um, mm-hmm. I've always coped with the dogs I've had since, but this was another way of kind of fulfilling that hole. In dogs, me. plural? How many dogs have you killed? I have not. I had a dog after Bullet named Buffy. Um, okay. Buffy passed away at seven, but she was an amazing oh, dog. My God, no, dude. she had a heart attack. Okay. Are you going to blame that on me? I mean, I don't know the details. Now. I didn't give the dog a heart attack. Okay. All right. I, and Samantha <laughs> is still kicking. She's doing great. She's outside my door right now. All right. I love Samantha. <sighs> but I mean, Jesus Christ. Buffy dude. passed away from natural, not natural disaster, <laughs> but natural causes. Did you see Alana Rizzo? What about her? On MLB Network, she responded to the. Um, the bullet tribute. Flyer. No, she did not. And it was like, what is this? You're and what on MLB network? I, no, no, no. On Twitter. Oh, okay. And I didn't, I didn't. It's, there's so many things about this podcast where it's like, if you don't listen, I, I can't truly explain it. And then someone else that listens to the podcast respond. They're like, oh no, it was like a segment on the podcast. And she was just like, oh, okay. As long as like a real dog didn't die. And I was oh, like, oh, a real dog. Are you yeah. kidding me? A real I dog? Think she, I think she probably just assumed that it was a bit and it was a, it was a fictitious dog, but no bullets big dead. Oh, what the, I'm fucking reading this right now. Yeah. What is this? Shout out <laughs> at NFA. What is this? And it's yeah. me and the, me and bullet, me, me and the <laughs> generated bullet. Yeah. Like we're some monsters. You got to listen to the name redacted pod. Dark humor. This isn't dark humor. This is my fucking uh, life. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Dark humor. She said, as long as a dog really did not die. <laughs> Shut the fucking positivity horn off. We're, we're not hyping up this behavior. This is mean. This is mean and uncalled for. Bullet was real. He was alive. He passed away. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. My life's a joke. My life is a joke to you guys, huh? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, hey Jake, why don't you uh why don't you tell us about Blue Moon? And um because I'm thirsty right now. Some beers can say they're brewed for baseball, but only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Beer and baseball just go together, and no beer goes better than the one that was literally born in a ballpark. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. Tyler's mad because last episode I said his dog exploded. To be fair, he is right. That's not accurate. His dog was hit by a car. One of my favorite times to have a blue moon is at Fenway Park. There's nothing like having a long day at the office, knowing you have Red Sox tickets for that night, coming home, driving to Fenway, getting to your seats, cracking open that first blue moon and watching first pitch. It's just a feeling you can't even explain. There's nothing that pairs better with that than a nice cold blue moon. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? 
Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one-of-a-kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for beer and baseball merch or visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly, Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Spare me. Appreciate that. R.I.P. Bullet. <sighs> Forever in our hearts. And on the side of the Fuck you. Listen, 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 listen. We got to talk about this game. We got to talk about speaking of. Yeah. Speaking Let's of, talk uh, about things. something just as dead as my first dog. Nick Pavetta's time in the rotation. Speaking, speaking of things that got absolutely drilled. We have three home runs to talk oh. about in this middle game. What? Continue. There was kind of a bar. <laughs> Justin Turner, Tristan Casas. And Jaron Duran all hit home runs off of Luis Castillo uh, in this middle game here where the Red Sox scored nine runs, which was which was big. They needed that. And I said that about the final game. But after after the two blown saves and, you know, you get blown out, it's like, all right, now now it's a trend like this is bad. Um, you get blown out back to back games because you lost you get in a blowout on the series finale against St. Louis as well. You got multi-hit games from Verdugo, who, by the way, we haven't mentioned that. He came out of the game tonight. I don't know how, like, did was there anything said about that after the game? All we saw was that it was just like a groin, but like, was it yeah. precautionary? Like, what's what's going on there? Precautionary is probably the right way. Core said he should be ready for Friday. Um, okay. that, that's at least the expectation. I think they kind of saw it. He probably just a little got a little tight or whatever. He had that adventure in right field to catch that ball uh, to stop the three-run homer. I don't, you know, he looked a little weird running the bases, too. But he seems to be the fine. route that he took tonight was fucking hilarious. I don't even blame him. It was the wind. It, the wind took yeah. that ball. That ball should have been in the, past the bullpen. It was a miracle. And he still it didn't. caught it. Still caught it. Elite. Not get enough credit for how he has uh, changed himself defensively. That was another guy that people were like, ah, I don't know about that defense. Very sus. Very questionable. But he is a good defensive outfielder. Um, I was asking you earlier if um, there was any audio of the Nick Pavetta to the bullpen thing i do have some oh we do have some yeah go ahead can can i please have a moment please can i just please out of my world (laughs) the fuck is wrong with you wow that's crazy it's like i was there um i i loved cora sending shots at him (laughs) not shots but like speaking basically directly to the guy uh what was it before yesterday's game where he was like, listen, I, I played on the friggin' bench. I was a utility player. I didn't like it, but I had to buy into it. Like that, that's part of playing in the big leagues. He starts mentioning like Garrett Richards and Martin Perez. He's like, sorry, like if you want to be part of this team, you may not understand it. You may not agree with it, but you better go out there and do your damn job. Like you couldn't have spoken more directly to Pavetta with those quotes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think Alex... I think Alex probably didn't love the the original quotes, like the the, the Katia one, where he was like, "I don't understand your question." Blah blah blah. 
I'm a starter. I'm always going to be a starter. I'm going to be a starter for the rest of my fucking life. Like, no, you're not. You're going to make one more start and you're going to go to the fucking bullpen. <laughs> you're going to shut the fuck up. Like, to paraphrase, after the game tonight, which uh, the middle game was Pavetta's final start in the Red Sox rotation. I don't even want to say for now. I think that's just, that's probably it. Five and a third, six hits, four and runs, four walks, six strikeouts, gave up a bomb. Uh, the ERA settles at a 630 for Nick Pavetta. And after the game tonight, he said all the right things. Everything that we, uh, in fairness, blew up on him about was completely justified. And he said all the wrong things his last time in front of a microphone. This time he said all the right things. He said, you know, I'm going to take this in stride. I'm going to go to the bullpen. I just want to win. He talked about winning a World Series, which I think was a bit of a stretch, but you have to say that. I get it. Uh, I'm going to do what's best for the team. And I'm going to make the best of the situation. We know that he wants to be a starter. That's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with conveying that you want to be a starter. You are a starter. You have been a starter. You've, that's your job. You've been a starter. But when you fail at that and you're no longer bringing value to the team in that role, but the team still sees value in you as a pitcher, you can help us out in the bullpen. All right. Change your attitude. Go into the bullpen and, and get some big outs for us. Like, that would be great. And he said all the right things this time, which I appreciated. I didn't think it was phony. Like, uh, we know how he truly, truly feels. We know that he wants to be in the rotation. We know that he feels like he can still be in the rotation or that he, he should be there. Fine. But he said all the right things, and that's all that matters. If you're pissed about it, take it out on the opposition when you're pitching out of the bullpen. Make the best of the opportunity. That's it. And, and hopefully, this is the start of him doing that. Yeah, I think and credit to him, right, for saying those things. And I think some people take it because we were so hard on his comments and really his performance that we don't like the guy. Like, we have respect for Nick Pavetta. Uh, you know, what he did in 2021 and what he gave you the last couple of years was very solid. It was what you needed at the back end of that rotation. He has value. This isn't like some people are like, just DFA him. No, well, you're not going to just DFA Nick Pavetta. No. There's stuff that, like he has legit stuff. And if someone goes down, maybe there is a way or a way things play out where he would step back into the rotation. It's just don't go out there and pout. That's all we're asking for. And the first day of that, he did it. it. Don't pout. Figure it it out. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't see pouting. He looked like he was out there. He's sitting next to Kenley. I think Mm -hmm. that's not by surprise. Kenley's taken a lot of guys under his wing who have been down or kind of going through it. That needed a little guidance. Caleb Ort, uh, Zach Kelly. And just kind of been that comforting soul for them. I think Nick Pavetta, who's probably angry inside right now, a little annoyed with the situation in the team. Kenley can be there and kind of say, hey, like this is where you need to be coming from a veteran who's had his ups and downs in his career. It's going to be all right. This is what you need to do to get to where you need to go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what Nick Pavetta is going to be in the bullpen. As a reliever in his career, it's a 612 ERA in 32 and a third innings. We saw what he did in 2021, though, so that's inside of him. It's just about how he's going to go about it. Are you going to have the right approach? Can you go do what Cutter Crawford's done? Give me two or three innings, bridge the gap, let your stuff play up a little bit. You only have to go through a lineup probably once max. Do that. But if you're going to go out there and pout, then we're going to have some actual real problems. I just hope that his actions match his words, because if we do get a Pavetta that cares out there, it's going to go a long way towards filling those shoes of Shriver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm happy with the result. As a guy that was a Nick Pavetta defender, 
I switched up based on the results. And here's where we're at. Nick Pavetta is in the bullpen. The Red Sox still won the game. They won big. 9-4, middle game, had the three homers. Uh, this was um, the Winkowski game that you were talking about. Yep, that was, that was Winkowski. I thought that game was the script of good wins this year, right? Like it was mm-hmm. good offensive production, especially early. The starters being, you know, very blah. And, you know, Pavetta gave you a chance to win. People got mad that I said that. He did. He didn't, he didn't give up seven runs in four innings like he did against Atlanta and the game was over. He kept you. It was a tied game when he left. Or actually, he was up. But it was, you know, when he gave up those runs, he never actually let them get ahead. But if you want to know how bad Pavetta's been the last six starts, 839 ERA, that's 76 out of 77 starters, 610 FIP, 75 out of 77, 166 WHIP, 75 out of 77. Like, as bad as a starter can be, that's who he's been. I just, I hope for him going out there, dude, give me anything that resembles 2021. Anything. But, the, you know, I think what you saw with the bullpen in that game in the second game is something that hopefully you can build on a little bit here and get back to where you were. Because I think the bullpen, like the lineup, is the motor that drives them. If you don't have that, we saw the first game of the series get away from you in a heartbeat. The last game of St. Louis game gets away from you in a heartbeat. You can't keep those middle lower relief innings together. And I think that's why you're seeing them depend on Cutter and Pavetta to hopefully be those bridge guys. Hmm. Shout out to uh, Ryan Sheriff. Got called up. Got the hold in that game. Justin Garza? Yeah, Justin Garza. Can't forget him. Would you... uh, I want your thoughts on Verdugo stepping up and kind of, you know, calling that players meeting. Oh, the players meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I fucking love that. I did... I saw Verdugo yesterday. I... I told you, I never see him bopping around, but I think what it probably is, this is my theory, is that I'm always there on weekends and like the weekends, for whatever reason, feel more busy and guys are just whatever, but it's more laid back during the week. So I saw him bopping around, um, seemed to be in a great mood, said, hi, what's up? Would love to get him on the podcast at some point again. People forget we had him, but on. All I'm saying is stuff like that makes me buy more on a potential extension, like way more. Yeah, when you're talking about young guys who take a leadership role on this team. He seems to be the saying, guy who stepped up. Yeah, like that's him saying, like uh, looking around, being like, "Oh fuck, like this, this is kind of my team too." Like I get, like Justin Turner, he's obviously a leader. He is a clubhouse guy, but he's probably going in there not trying to be alpha dog like he's not going in there being like all right now that i'm here this is my team he's probably going to guys like verdugo being like hey bro like when i was your age this is how i transitioned into the guy when it was my team and if you want to be here for a long time and it does like you're not just saying oh i want to play until free agency and i want to get the bag like if the red Sox are saying hey we're kind of interested in extension and you're interested in being here for a long time this is how you show them that this is a no-brainer to give me an extension. This is my team. This is how you get the fans on your side. Doesn't always work out, Xander Bogarts, uh, when it's like, oh, that's his team. He's the leader. He's the guy. He's the guy that everyone looks to. Doesn't always work out that way, but it certainly helps you build a case. It certainly puts more money in your pocket when you help from a uh, baseball standpoint on the field. But then you're also the guy that stands up and says, all right, 
players only meeting. I'm running this shit. This is my fucking team. I mean, it's like Rafi, it, he's the face of the team. It is his team. He's obviously the highest paid player. He's the most talented, but there's different roles. You know, like even you go back to 2004. Not that I'm comparing the 23 teams to the 04 team, but who is the guy with, with the mouth? It was Kevin Millar. He was like the seventh best player on the team. Like, 2013. Like you, uh, ha- you had like a Johnny Gomes that played a, like a very pivotal yeah. leadership role. Who, you yeah. know, Johnny Gomes is like you're a platoon outfielder. Now, he just I'm, got there too. It was uh, his first fucking year. That's it. And he's like kind of like you know David Ortiz is the guy, Dustin Pedroia. But as you see, different guys step up. Even when it was Pedroia and Petey, it was like you know David Ortiz, but Petey was kind of the different little like you know not pissy, but like the fiery up dude, the guy who was kind of yeah. sitting there and like step the fuck up. Like, let's go. Come on, get out yeah. there. Like, stop being a bitch. Yeah. Let's do it. It's different ways of going yeah. about things. Yeah. Yeah. I love to see that. And I hope that Verdugo is here for a long time. And I'm glad because I, you know, we, we've heard so much about it over the years about if, if the veterans running the clubhouse and you get to fall in line and know your role and know your place and tenure this and whatever. Um, but Alex Verdugo, this is what his fourth season here now. Yep. Yeah, it's fourth season. Uh, he's he's not like a grizzly vet, but he's not like a he's not like a rookie or anything close to it. So yeah, I love to see that from Verdugo. I want more of that from Verdugo because you go back to his entrance to this organization, and it came with comparisons to Mookie. This is the guy that the Red Sox got from Mookie Betts. He's walked out of that shadow. He's performed himself out of that shadow. That's not saying that he's been better than Mookie Betts. That's not saying that uh, the Red Sox won the trade. It's just saying that we don't associate him with Mookie anymore. Alex Verdugo is his own man now. He's his own player. He has his own reputation. He has his own uh, impact on the Boston Red Sox that is standalone. And the way that he continues to do that and build his legacy here in Boston is by doing stuff like that. You know, you go out there, you have all these fucking walk-off hits. The fans love you. You bring high energy. Cora loves him, but Cora, it, it, they have a similar relationship like him and Eddie Rodriguez. Where it's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking call you out because I, I think that you're better than this. And to get that out of you, this is what you respond to. And it worked. It worked. You're seeing it already this year. So I'm sure that, you know, Cora is sitting there being like, fuck yeah, like that's what we need out of you. If if we lost four straight, go flip a chair and tell everyone to fucking uh, circle around and, and get your message out there. And, and that's what you saw when that game started. Like him beating out that Colton Wong bobble set the tone. I feel like that was the tone the next two games. I was like, oh, that's the 2023 Red Sox. They're back to doing it. Like we're going to hustle. We're just going to play fucking harder than you. Like no matter what, we're going to be on it. I'm not taking any shortcuts. I'm running full speed, busting my ass. And we saw he was nervous. Like it was mentioned in that article. He was kind of trying to feel it out, make sure he went about it the right way. But it seems like he did. And I look at him and I think a lot about another player and it's Nick Markakis. It it really, he reminds me a lot of Nick Markakis. Uh, Just in terms of the player he is, like you're going to play very good defense in right field. You may never be the 30 home run guy, but you're going to hit for a high batting average. You're going to bring some athleticism. Uh, and you're going to give me somewhere between, you know, 15 to 20 ish jacks, maybe a little less some years, uh, maybe closer to that 20 mark at some point. But 
That's what you bank on. And Nick Markakis was, you know, close to 3,000 hits. That's how long that guy stuck around in this league, especially when you're someone who is a leader. Like that goes even beyond that. I think that's where the Red Sox sit. And they're like, yeah, we have Devers, but who else do we have that's further enough in their career that isn't, you know, a first year guy or a second year guy? Like Garrett Whitlock's been here a couple of years now. Tanner Houck's been here a couple of years. Devers has obviously been here for a bit. Where else do you find that on the position side? Verdugo's kind of the guy that fits that mold. So I think if you're building this team, that's the guy you kind of look to. And I hope, I hope he keeps running with it, like you said, because if he does, I think it speaks to where this Red Sox foundation is going and really more stuff you can dream on and say, all right, I get Heim's vision. I understand what direction this team's going in. Yeah. While we were, uh, while we were talking just now, Ryan Sheriff is the corresponding move for Cutter Cropper. Oh, wow. That, that makes sense. Okay. So he ends up. So, whoa. <laughs> oh, well, no, they don't have to DFA him. And they kept him on the roster, right? Even though he ended up taking uh, the 40 man spot for Brazier. Okay, so yeah, you, you get to keep him in the system and you can kind of work him up and down depending on what you need to do. They also might just DFA him whenever the time comes and they need to open a spot. Um, but that makes sense. Okay, hey, he was good. He came up two scoreless innings. I don't really know what more you can ask for out of a guy like that. Yeah. That's depth yeah. on the 40, man. That's Heim. It's Heim cooking, baby. Let Heim cook. Got to see Heim on Tuesday. I saw that picture you guys took. Paparazzi was all over us. <laughs> How's he doing? Doing good. Yeah, he um, he's just he's Heim all the time. <laughs> he's just like how he is. Uh, I guess he's like a little more uppity in his press conferences and interviews or whatever. But when you see him around the park, he's very like soft spoken and just that's just that's just how he talks. And I like him. He's it- always calm, cool, collected. I, I, I know some people, it bothers them, but I feel like when I watch him, it's usually someone who's very, he comes off composed, like there's a plan, like he knows what he's doing. Even if everyone doesn't know, he's confident in his strategy. And, you know, if this year he's playing like it is, there's going to only be more credibility that goes that way. Just like in 2021, at the end of the year, no one could say anything. If you have a year even, you know, where you're competitive by the end of 2023, I think a lot of people are going to tip their caps. And I think a lot of people already have, besides the doomers who want to, come out and laugh at the Red Sox because they got swept. Yeah. I wonder if Coley's still awake. Hmm. Do you think he is? No. He's going? probably going to answer. Not even first ring. I don't know. Hello? He's just going to answer and be like, Duran, Pablo. Or he might not answer at all. He's... If he doesn't answer in three rings, I don't know. Hmm. Might be down a vote. No. If you're listening right now, it is 1222 Eastern Standard. Your call has... Yep. He might text it, though. Let's hope. He might text. Yeah. Um, I, I do have one last note on game two. Yeah. Uh, Cora, whenever he sits Yoshida and he comes back after getting a day off, it's fucking incredible. He just comes oh, out rigged. swinging. Um, yeah. So Cora is obviously picking his days the right way he, with him, and he knows when he kind of needs a reset. And as we see, when Yoshida hits, the entire team goes. Hopefully, this is, you know, the last two days have been a sign of what's to come. We need another Yoshida hot streak. Up. I'm going to look that up. Yoshida after uh, a day that, off. 
No, like Yoshida in wins versus Yoshida in losses, but baseball reference wouldn't have that updated for right now. Nope. I mean, it is it is 2023. And baseball reference still takes fucking 18 hours to update. Well, hey, you can go on MLB.com where they offer you no fucking actual stats that you need to look at and they update that. That is true. They have like Which, all like the the basic shit. It's so frustrating when you're trying to put tweets together and stuff Super like that. Super frustrating. The most frustrating. Fuck you. What? Mocking me. I wouldn't do that. Uh, not including tonight. So you can, whatever, you can get the picture. Not including tonight. In Red Sox wins, Masataki Yoshida is hitting 333 with an OPS over 1,000, 1014. In Red Sox losses, Masataki Yoshida is hitting 262 with a 732 OPS. Kind of tells you. It feels like whenever they win, he's in the middle of it every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a 600 slug in wins compared to a 393 slug in losses. So, uh, anyways, uh, shout out to Brian Bayo, got the job done. B day boy, hated the five walks, dude. He's I don't I he's battling. I I, I dude everything. His ankles getting taped up while he's on the mound. He had some mm-hmm. weird rubbing from his r- new Rafael Devers cleats. Yeah, what the a, fuck is that? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Does Devers have his own cleat or something? I don't know. But Cora, after the game, called him the. He was. He was out there wearing his Rafi's. Devers' names on them. Yeah. Like so. I. I don't. I just assumed like maybe Bayo forgot or Devers like bought him a pair as like a gift. Like, hey, wear me. Um, but we know they're mm-hmm. close. Like Devers was the one who had his arm around Bayo in the dugout last year a lot. But yeah, the command wasn't great. He seemed to be kind of, you know, he's still dealing with probably the fingernail issue. And it was cold. Like everybody was blowing into their hand nonstop during that game. Um, So I think between that and the wind, not a great combination, but he did something that I haven't seen Nick Pavetta do. It's I don't have my best stuff, but I'm going to give you five innings in one run. Mm. I was talking about that the other day. Someone at the park. I forget who the conversation was with, but the the cold factor and how like fans just don't want to hear it. It's like, you're getting paid millions of dollars. I like, go out there and throw the baseball. It's like the human body can only do what the human body can do. And just, just go outside on a day where it's 48 and you're wearing a t-shirt and try and throw a baseball as hard as you can. <laughs> like, it's just fucking hard. It doesn't matter. Like getting paid millions of dollars does not make your body uh, react differently to the elements. Like, it's not about complaining about it and be like, oh, it's too cold and I want my jacket and I'm, I'm really cold. It's like the human body can only do what the human body can do in those conditions. So up until the St. Louis series and, and the weather was pretty good for like the first couple games of the Seattle series. But we've had such shit weather at Fenway. And granted, yes, the other team has to play in the shitty weather, too. But it's just I don't know, just just something to just something to keep in mind when it's fucking cold out and someone isn't performing the way that you would hope to. It's like, yeah, why don't you throw a fucking t-shirt on, go outside, 48, <laughs> rainy and windy, and see see how uh, you can just throw a baseball around. See if it's uh, any fun. Matt not- Brash almost killed multiple Red Sox players today because he could not get a handle on the ball. And he's out there blowing on his hand nonstop. 
So yeah, a young pitcher battling that, that Bayo's stuff moves so much. There's going to be days. That's really, you're talking the biggest thing in his development is getting consistent command. Cause we see yeah. it in Atlanta when he has it. Oh my God. When he doesn't a day like today, he got by fortunately, but that's what you kind of keep watching Bayo for. You just hope he can contain those walks a little bit more off. Yeah. Jolie Rodriguez, not great. Uh, inning walked, walked a couple guys, gave up a hit, uh, two runs, only one earned. Um, but yeah, whatever. It's one appearance. Steady 80. Chris Martin goes out there. Fucking one, two, three with a punchy. I, uh, if I had had a time machine, I probably would have used Chris Martin in that second game against St. Louis. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah, that was uh revisionist history because at the time I was happy with it. At the time I was like, listen, get Kenley back on the horse. He throws strike like man, the ability just to consistently pound the zone. And he doesn't walk anybody. I never realized how much I hated walks until this season. Stresses you out. Walks. It's just it's just like unnecessary. And I think Corey Kluber is probably the guy that I hate it the most just because I expect so much better from him. He has if no excuse. And it's like you ex- you expect guys to suck that suck. Corey Kluber is not a walks guy it's this like, year. Walks guy. It's like, oh, yeah, I bet it's hard to locate 97. You're throwing fucking 87. I'm fucking 75. What I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways. Clark's Ketchup Series MVP brought to you by Clark's Ketchup. Drizzle that ketchup. Again, I apologize for the last series win where we did not hear the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP theme song. Red Sox lost four straight games. People are saying it's because you didn't play the theme song. Might I disagree. Have been. I, I respect I respect the sentiment. Um, thank you for thinking that we have the power to make the Red Sox lose five uh, four straight games. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. Uh, don't blame us. But the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP um, is, as always, brought to you by Clark's Ketchup. Drizzle that ketchup. Uh, here we go. Leading the Red Sox in batting average this series. Shockingly, I did not realize how well this person was doing. Who do you think it is? Uh, in batting average this series, I am going yep. to go Pablo Reyes. Jaron Duran hit 500 in this series. Not, hey, the homer, he had a couple hits today. Walk, he had an RBI single in that second game as well. Hmm. Jaron Duran hit 500 in this series. Leading the team in on-base percentage, Jaron Duran, 545. Leading the team in slugging percentage, Justin Turner, 923. Leading the team in OPS, Jaron Duran, 14. 
five. Hmm. Leading the team in hits this series, Justin Turner. Uh, shout out to Pablo Reyes, who had five hits. Jaron Duran also had five hits. Leading the team in home runs, Justin Turner with two. Jaron Duran had one. Leading the team in runs scored, Justin Turner scored four times. Alex Verdugo also scored four times. Leading the team in doubles, three-way tie. Devers had two. Pablo Reyes had two. They were both tonight. Drove in four runs. Alex Verdugo, two doubles. RBI, we got a three-way tie. Justin Turner drove in four runs. Pablo Reyes drove in four runs. Masataka Yoshida drove in four runs. Hmm. Also, again, uh, he only played in two games this series, but Masataka Yoshida did not strike out in this series once again. Extra base hits. Justin Turner, two. Devers, two. Pablo Reyes, two. Total bases. Justin Turner, 12. Jaron Duran, nine. Pablo Reyes, seven. Okay. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to vote here first. Yeah. And then we'll go to the celebrity panel. I'm going to go with Jake first. Uh, I'm going to go Justin Turner. Justin Turner. Uh, yeah. A vote. Two home runs in, in both wins. Um, they came at big spots in the game two in the first game or in game two it was to put the Red Sox up three oh. Game three it was to put the Red Sox up five oh. So I mean, I just feel like two home runs and both wins is that gets you the win. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Tyler Milliken. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm gonna go Justin Turner as well. I Justin think he, Turner. I, I think he set the tone for the lineup in the series. Like like Jake said, those two homers, they were the ones that got the offense going. Cora called him the table setter for this entire lineup. That's what he did. Another vote, Justin Turner. I'm also going Justin Turner. Mm. I'm also going Justin Turner. Um, That is three votes. Justin Turner. Kevin Euclid. Justin Turner. Mm. Lou Merloni. Justin Turner. Tom Karen says Justin Turner. Two run dongs for days. I like that. Mm-hmm. Will Fleming says Justin Turner. Packets for Lopez, Yoshida, Duran, Verdugo. Okay. Appreciate that. The packets. That's a nice touch. And finally, our manager, Alex Cora, says Justin Turner. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, your Clark's Ketchup Series MVP, Justin Turner. The old man. 
old man Justin Turner, Clark Sketchup Series MVP. Uh, is is this his first? It is first one. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna let him know. Um, I'm gonna let him know on Tuesday. Well, where are they? Where do they go after San Diego? They're not home on Tuesday, correct? Arizona. Yeah. Fuck. Corey Lavello, what's good? I have to go to Arizona in June. Did I already say that? No. no. It's a secret. Cut that it's out, Jake. Secret. Yeah, yeah, bleep that, Jake. I'll be in Arizona in June. For a surprise. Involving the Red Sox? No. I'm going to Arizona, too. For what? I got business. Bro. The fuck are you doing in Arizona? What days are you going to be there? Oh, I didn't know you were going to say that. All right. I was lying. I'm not going to go to Arizona. As you said oh, it, right. I was going to say the same numbers. Oh. Can, cut this out, Jake. Yeah, it's a secret. Th- this is an embarrassing bit. Why is it embarrassing? Fell apart in front of me. Wow. Just like bullet. You're an idiot. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> no, we're not doing the positivity yeah. going on bullet. Bullet no. fucking exploded. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Wow. Didn't even get to get make one trip around the sun. All right. Because of Tyler. That's <laughs> Fuck true. You. That's true. Come on. That's not what. Am I wrong? Jake, am I wrong? That is accurate. There, there's That's no, accurate. There's no way you go to heaven after something like this. It's over for you. You're done. You killed a I dog. didn't kill. Okay. Okay. Can I, can yeah, I, right. can I explain? You're a Pokemon guy. Yeah. You know who Umbreon is? You remember that? He's, okay. He's not one of the original 150. Yes, he, yes, he is. Eevee. You know who, who? Eevee is? You know who Eevee is? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, you're technically, you're right. Cause Umbreon is, yeah, he's, gen, he's gen, gen two. He's Jodo. Um, yeah, so you're not, you're, I was 100%. You, you know Pokemon? I know Pokemon. Oh, not one of the original. He evolves from one of the original. So reel it in. I Coley thought just texted. Coley just texted Turner. Interrupting Bullet. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I thought Bullet was like Umbreon, the Pokemon. <laughs> I, see, this is this is going over my head because I was an original Pokemon guy. But look up Umbreon. Do. Look him up. No, everyone who no way that I know how to spell that. He looks. He looks like a dog. It's like a dog like Pokemon. And I let the dog Did it out. Also explode? No. no. <laughs> I let bullet out thinking like Umbreon. He'd follow me around like he does in Pokemon. Yeah. Bullet did not follow me around. Yeah. Ended up like Charmander with his tail on fire after the car ran it over. <laughs> I fucked you. up. I That's fucked you. up. I That's fucked you. up. R.I.P. R.I.P. Like bullet. R.I.P. Bullet. R.I.P. Bullet. <laughs> All right, people. Baseball season's rolling. It's the best time of the year, and there are games all day, every day. And when I'm watching all the games and recording all these podcasts every week, it can be tough to get a handle on it all. But thanks to Xfinity 10G Network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra low lag so you and everyone that you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. 
Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Jake, cut my crying out of that ad. <laughs> it's okay. Bullet was like six dogs ago by this point. So I have a couple points I want to make before we get okay, to our preview. Yeah. Dave O'Brien. Oh, yeah. Vin Scully. That was yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, let's uh, let's hit that. Yeah, he he nailed it. This was a uh, spot on Vin Scully by Dave O'Brien on the Nesson broadcast. You're doing like six jobs every day. Can I get a little Vin Scully, please, and make me happy? Well, there's a strike. Had a little ground ball. The, the first baseman Casas very casually flips it on, and Martin there in plenty of time with those long strides. It's amazing. And it's out number two. So good. The, the strides, that's, that's the, that was the winner for me. Nothing short of incredible. I thought, and I think Dave O'Brien's had a very good year. I think we're both on the same page on that. I thought that was my yeah. favorite moment from him so far. Yeah. And I also will give a pack. The, the Turner home run call tonight was good. Yeah, he's been on his game this year. For the most part, been much better than previous years. Um, Kevin Millar, like, I'm not crapping on him, but I thought last year you could tell he was very nervous up there. He seemed nervous in the booth. Like, at times it was, he even said it. Like, he felt like he was talking a little too much or a little too fast. And, you know, I grew up watching intentional talk every day on MLB Network. You see when he's in his element and he gets on those stories. That's what he felt like in the series. Like he was a blast up there. Yeah. And I thought he pulled a lot of personality out of Dave O'Brien. Yeah, they were laughing up there. Justin Turner home run was good. Where is it? Um, yeah, okay. Here it is. Four home runs. There's a swing and a drive. That one's up there, and that ball's gone. He strikes again. Up into the monster seats. All right. That's all right. That's all right. He's excited. He's excited. Yeah, we, we can't always say that. Yeah. And there was uh, one other thing. What? I felt like last episode, right? We talked about, um, I guess you would ask me to define percentiles and I didn't do a good job oh, doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did, yeah, did you, you sucked at that? Was that that bad? Listen, first I off, agree it, with, I agree with section 10 Reddit. You did not. You just were just like, Oh, people don't know what percentiles are. Well, the thing about percentiles is that they're just fucking percentiles. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Not wrong. You not did. Wrong. That's what you did. Jake, is that what he did? Fuck you, Jake. Yeah, that's what happened. That's okay. pretty much what you did. Yeah, I, I side with the people on that one. I, I'm not disagreeing with them, but I'm here to right my wrongs, I guess I would say. Yeah, go ahead. And I've only yeah, taken ahead. one statistics class. Oh, you know what? You know what? I actually. So on this note, this is good because I was going to ask you this off the air. Uh, so now I can ask you on the show a listener of both podcasts, Baseball is Dead and Name Redacted, reached out and they were like, it would be a cool crossover like video content type deal if you and Jay Hay kind of did like that together. You guys just like nerded out. You're both like the resident nerds on on the podcast. Fuck yeah, that would be a blast. I'd definitely be down yeah. for that. Yeah, um, I think he would too fucking geeks yeah he would uh he would he would probably like that a lot you guys can just be like oh here, here's this fucking fucking present percentile well, very good twitter follow by the way um just want to yeah. shout him out on that does he follow you yeah we follow each other oh, okay. recently uh, followed each other but you know i i get to witness greatness now um but no i i think i this is always a battle at 98.5 it's like can you make it so it's easier for people to digest now this is my definition of a percentile 
I don't know if you're going to like it. I don't know if it's going to make sense to you. I want you to be honest. Do you have a school bell? A what? A school bell for Mr. Milliken. Jared, I asked for this six months ago. A what? Pat was on this podcast when I asked for this. You asked for what? A school bell. What like, is that? What? A school bell? Did you never go to fucking school? Oh, a school bell. Did you just learn how to talk? Jake, is, did that not sound like it was like he was saying like a fucking word that was not two words that were Shut school and Shut the fuck bell. up, Jake. Don't he, he literally I said didn't. he was asking me for like a school. <laughs> I was yeah, like, what the fuck is that? I didn't get it till the third time. <laughs> yeah. If, am I dying? Can I no longer speak English? Dude, no one is going to be on your side on that one. No one. Let me know. Please reach out and, and let me know. It's uh, time for Dodger Baseball. You are, you are just, there's something wrong with your brain where you think you're like doing things the right way and you're just not ever, uh, not, no, not all the time, but like, there's just like certain times where like perfect example, like why we're talking about this right now. You just were like, yeah, people want me to explain percentiles and like, here's the explanation without explaining it. Fair point. So a percentile, right? Yeah. It's basically. (laughs) <laughs> a percentile is basically a number or a stat that you can kind of look at and where it stands in a set of data. That's like where the percentile. So say barrel percentage, right? When we talk percentiles like 50th percentile or whatever it may be, we're mentioning these where they fit in this set of data. Now, what is that set of data? That's the pool of baseball players, as we see on Baseball Savant, that fit into that pool in those rankings. Now, there's a certain amount of plate appearances that play into that equation, right? We saw with Jaron Duran, it took a while for us to see his baseball savant page. I don't know what this fucking shit is. Oh, is this uh, Jeopardy? Right? Jeopardy? So, per, for example, Jaron Duran, 87th percentile outs above average. That, when you kind of talk about that comparison, amongst his peers, he ranks in the 87th percentile in terms of outs above average, which is really strong. Like, his defense is as good as, you know, eight, he's better than 87%. That's really probably the best way to frame it. Now, if you're all the way down at one, if you're better than 1% or in that range, then you're not very good. That's my explanation on it. Hard hit percentage. Those are balls hit like 95 miles per hour or harder. Barrel percentage, I believe, based off the number alone, it's like an expected batting average of 500, a slugging percentage of 1,500, expected slug. Um or it's kind of like a launch angle conversation as well, which gets a little bit more complicated, but it's like a velocity of 98 miles per hour launch angle of 26 to 30. And that only jumps depending if the exit velocity is higher. There we go. And scene. I don't know these songs. What is this Looney Tune shit you're playing? What song is that? Um, you, you didn't okay. that was bad no no it was great you're lying to I me think pe- i think people i think people are gonna be like now i get it <laughs> what's a percentile tell me percentile no that's not that's, no, that's the episode the definition i gave that's last not, episode I, I i can't i can't listen to you and and be on the ones and twos at the same time it's i'm trying to put on a good show and the people at home are like this is a good show that's all, that's what i care about I'll, I care about that more. I care about percentile. Let me just put the bow on the pony. Yep. 
that's not a saying. There's plenty of people say it all the time. Um, you can't know. afford ponies, so you wouldn't know. Um, okay. Back to my main point. A percentile is a stat or number and where it ranks amongst a set of data. That's it. Okay. All right. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for that. I hope that was enough for the people. Yeah. No. They, yep. They all get it now. <laughs> <laughs> off day tomorrow, Tyler. It's an off day tomorrow. What are you going to do? What are you going to die? Play? Probably doing weird shit. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to the 99. You know, me and Jimmy Stewart talked about this. Going to the 99 with me? That you, no, no, no. That you go to the 99 a lot. Can I talk about something that's really embarrassing, actually? They know you by name there. They know Dude, what your order is. I ordered from there the other day. I, I So I try to keep it undercover. I order it through DoorDash. Um, okay. You know, so there's another buffer there without it being direct. I don't want them to know I'm going to the website and putting the order in. That feels too personal. I put the order in. I get my food, whatever. I get a text like an hour later. And they're like, are you Tyler Milliken from 98.5? And I was very embarrassed. Because I, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, you know, super nice, like listener, all that. But it's very embarrassing for people to like know that you're well, ordering a, that frequently. Well, but that's that's a point for uh, that's a point for Beetle. Sure. Tyler Milliken of 98.5 The Sports Hub. They didn't say name redacted. Yeah, that's true. But I, I, I'm ashamed. And I, now I'm going to put fake mystery names when I order 99. Well, I mean, I'm it, just going to start putting Jared Carabas every time I order. You should do that. I mean, it, honestly, it like I'm sure you, there's nothing disgusting. At, like if you were if if that was Taco Bell, then it's like, oh man, this is this is this is bad. But I mean, I love Taco Bell. It's not that Taco Bell's bad. It's just that if you became a regular there, then they, it's probably not the best look for you. But the 99, a little bit different. It's the one sponsorship I want. Hit me up. 99. Yep. I don't know why they wouldn't. It's kids eat free. When the Red Sox win. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting. One call. I want to own a 99 one day. Jake, book uh, the 99 uh, CEO. You can do that? You're going to get him on. Yeah. Wow. You think Jake can't book the CEO of the 99? Who is it? I want to eat at all 97, 99 locations one day. The CEO of the 99 restaurant is fucking... Uh... Charlie, Charlie, Do- that's the founder. I want to know who the CEO is. Charlie 99. Is Charlie alive still? No. He's got to be. He's been dead for a long time. How do you know? Do you keep up with the 99 or are you just showing up here and trying to figure it out on the go? <laughs> are, are you ready? I, yeah. Hold on. I'm pulling up the, the LinkedIn profile. I want to know, like, CEO, like, I want to know, like, the 99 restaurant board of directors. Does the president work for you? Joe Biden? Oh, oh, nope. He's, he's no longer working there, I believe. Looks like his, nope, he's alive, I think. 99 restaurant pub. Uh, Oh, what? I have it. I have it right here. So our boy, uh, oh, no. There might be just different branch. Like, I want to know who, like, the, I want the top of the top. I want the, the CEO of all the branches. It's Charlie Noyce. Isn't that the, the founder, though? No, I don't think so. He, su- he succeeded the retiring John Grady. And he lives in Gloucester. 
Is that is that a right. common place? Uh, it's fucking close. We could get him in studio, or we could do the interview at the ninety nine, and we could eat. Yeah, I'd be down for that. I had the ninety nine for dinner tonight. I forgot to. I Whoa. left that out. Whoa! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buffalo tendies or steak tips? Uh, they have a half chicken tenders, half steak tips, uh, meal. And that's what you got. Mm-hmm. Gold fever or buffalo? Just raw dog, raw dog chicken tenders with nothing on them. I'm down for Fair. a naked chicken tender. I'm, I'm saying, but you have a chance at a 99 buffalo. That's pretty serious. Yeah, well, that's that's just what I did. I just went, I just went raw. Fucking child. Yeah. Hmm. Serving as general manager, operations director, regional vice president of operations, vice president of operations, and then finishing his 99 restaurant career as president. So he's the president of the 99 restaurants. All right, Jake, book Charlie Noise. We got Live show. Live yep. show at the 99. We should honestly, I don't know what's in there, but they closed the 99 in Saugus, but the building's still there. If we did a live show <laughs> inside the old 99 in Saugus, we could probably fit like 300 people in there. One of the finest 99s to ever exist, by the way. Saugus? Been there quite a few times. Yeah, my picture used to hang on the wall in there. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's an accomplishment. Saugus High Varsity Baseball Team 2006. Oh, that, that's like when they front put up row. the Brockton athletes. Yep. Front row, kneeling down, varsity. I was a junior. <laughs> I get that all the time. People are like, did you know that Kuwabas played JV his whole life? Well, I don't know where that rumor started, but I was fucking, I was on varsity my junior year and my senior year. And trying to skip Bayless, the, you. The fact that that 99 closed was the only proof that I had besides my yearbook, which I still have. So I still have my yearbook. But I think the yearbook only has like my senior year varsity. But my junior year, the varsity photo was hanging in the 99 restaurant in August, Massachusetts. Bring it back. Bring it back. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Head on down to your local Stop and Shop and use the verbal promo code Section 10 at the register. When you order at least five pounds of tangerines, you will get 10 cents off each tangerine when you buy at least five pounds of tangerines only at Stop and Shop using the promo code Section 10. The Red Sox are off on Thursday, and then they head to, well, they're probably heading there right now as we speak, 
San Diego, California. Wow, San Diego. It is a beautiful city that I love. Uh, I've been there multiple times. I enjoy it every single time that I go. Uh, you go see the uh, the Midway. They do a great little tour over there. In the air to right field. And Don Orstillo is in San Diego on the ones and twos. I feel a lot of people are probably going to watch that broadcast, right? Hand up. I will be one of them. Yeah, I'm, you got to. You got to. You only get three games with Don. You got to do it. Oh, uh, can you imagine James another Paxton? Raffi bomb? Mm. Oh, I would love that. Uh, James Paxton versus Blake Snell. That's a 940 start on Friday night. Then you have Chris Sale versus Joe Musgrove. Um, who I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know how he when I was at. Where was it? It must have been the All-Star game last year. One of my friends was working in like the main lobby where everything was. And uh, I was going up an escalator to go see one of my friends. And I'm going up the escalator, get off, walking down the hallway, and I see Joe Musgrove. And we just walk past each other. And he just looks at me and gives me a head nod. He's like, what's up, Jared? I was like, what's up, Joe? And I took like three steps and then I just stopped. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, We've never met before. How the fuck? I did not know that Joe Musgrove knew who I was. I, I still don't know because that's the, the only exchange that we've ever had. Like we don't like we don't follow each other on anything. I, I'm not sure. So when you stop, thing. he didn't stop. That was just you kind of being like, oh, shit, that just happened. Yeah, like because it, it didn't register like in my head. I was like, wait, why would he? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. But he was going one way. I was going the other way. And I'm pretty sure that might have been like right after he signed like an extension or something. I don't know. But. That makes sense because last year he did get extended. Yeah, but seemed like a nice guy. He goes up against Chris Sale in the middle game. That is a 10-10 start on Saturday. Pitching matchup. Uh, and then this one. Be prepared for the hot takes, Tyler. Corey Kluber versus Michael Waka. <laughs> because if Kluber sucks and Waka shoves, it's going to be hot take central. We are going to be going into that podcast on Sunday. Hot takes are going to be flying all over the place. Why did you spend $10 million on Kluba when you could have got Wackerheim? Because yeah, you didn't want to give him Come multiple on, years. Shame. Shame. <laughs> why, didn't, why didn't you sign Waka, shame? Uh, that was the pitching matchups. Anyway, Blake Snell, 1-5 in five of the 461 ERA, a 1-5. 54 whip and a 9.4 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he has not been what the Padres have, have wanted him to be. I like Blake Snell, too. Good dude. He's a big-time gamer, big-time sneakerhead. Um, but with the Rays, 324 ERA, 351 FIP. With the Padres, 390 ERA, 358 FIP. Uh, ERA plus was 129 in Tampa. It is 99 in San Diego. He's walking people at an alarming rate this year, 5.5 walks per nine. He's walked five batters twice this year, four twice and three twice. Um, he he's completed five innings in his last six starts and six innings in his last three. Yet he's not pitched into the seventh at all this year. A disgusting five twenty five FIP on the season does miss a lot of bats, especially with his breaking shit curve. 
51% whiff, slider, 49% whiff. He has the second best whiff rate on a curveball for all pitchers and fifth best for starters. Um, for some reason, he only throws these pitches at a 15% rate each. Instead, he throws his fastball 55% of the time, and it might be one of the worst pitches on the season of any pitcher this year. Hitters are hitting 322 with a 589 slug and a 93 mile per hour exit velocity on his fastball. I have no idea why he throws it so much. Here's a big kicker here. Padres, what do you think their record is? He's taken them out eight times. What's the Padres record when Blake Snell pitches? Well, they're under 500 by a couple games. So I'm going to go, uh, you said eight starts? Eight starts. I'm going to go two and six. One and seven. Ooh. His only win was on May 1st against the Reds. Um, the Red Sox hitters, their numbers are not good, but I feel like this all goes back to Tampa anyway. So 203, 588 OPS. Um, Tapia and Ref Snyder both have uh, damage, which is interesting. Joe Musgrove, he's only made four starts. He's one and one, 663 ERA, a 163 whip, and a nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, he had a few weird injuries in spring training and uh, during his rehab stint. He's yet to finish the sixth in any start this year, and he only has one good start out of the four that he's made. Uh, even in that start, he had three walks in five innings pitched. He has seven walks in his last 10 and two-thirds. He already has a game where he's given up three home runs. Uh, in that game, he went three and a third, six hits, seven earned, three bombs, only struck out three. Uh, got, <laughs> he got a no decision because the Padres scored 16 runs. Um, his curveball and his slider have not been great. 17% usage on the curve, 417 average in a fucking 1084 slug. Brutal. Slider, 15% usage, 429 average, 857 slug. Slider was his number one pitch last year with a 217 batting average and a 350 uh 355 slug. Uh Padres are two and two in his starts, but 0 and two when they score less than five runs. Red Sox hitters 312 with an 888 OPS. JT 7413 with three bombs against Musgrove. Michael Waka. Old friend Michael Waka. 4 and 1 with a 406 ERA, a 117 whip, 8.3 strikeouts per nine. Um pretty much the same pitcher this year that he was last year with some inverse results uh the fip is a half run better but the era is uh, a little bit worse um he had a really rough stretch in uh april a couple of starts in april eight and a third 21 hits 21 hits and eight and a third 12 earned runs couple walks six strikeouts two bombs uh his last two two starts though he's been outrageously good uh carried a no hitter into the eighth last start right he did he did uh, 19 innings, six hits, one earned, six walks, 18 strikeouts. Um, that's an 047 ERA. Uh, the Babip luck. What's that? 81st percentile in average exit velocity, and 88th percentile in hard hit rate. Um, his stuff has ticked down a little bit this year. Four seam has gone from 91.9. Uh, no, it's down to 91.9. Um, Padres six and two when Michael Walker starts this year. Red Sox hitters 283 with a 762 OPS. Kike six for 16 with a double and a homer. 
Devers, one for seven. That one is a homer. James Paxton for the Sox, five innings, four hits, two earned runs with nine strikeouts, only one walk in his debut. Out of the 87 pitches in his season debut, he threw 73 four-seam fastballs or cutters and only 14 knuckle curves. He topped out at 97.8 miles per hour and averaged 96.3 with the four-seam. He got 10 whiffs on 28 swings, good for a 30% or 36% uh, rate there. Ended his day with 12 whiffs. Um, the only concerning thing was his average exit velocity, which was 94.4. So when he was getting hit, he got hit hard. Uh, the Most of the damage here for Padres hitters, Rubned Odor, 7 for 28. Um, Xander, 7 for 23, couple doubles and three bombs. That's an 11-16 OPS. Chris Sale. How fucking weird is that feel that we're doing like the opposite side? It's like, oh, yeah, like Xander. It's like that's he's on the other team. Makes what? me uncomfortable. Makes me really uncomfortable. Chris Sale, three and two, a 540 ERA, a 127 whip and an 11.2 strikeouts per nine. But we're talking about his last three starts here. That is 20 and a third innings pitch, 13 hits, five earned runs, two walks, 24 strikeouts, only one home run allowed, a 221 ERA, a 217 FIP and a 502 opponent's OPS. That is a uh, strikeouts to walks ratio, 24 strikeouts to two walks. Pretty fucking good. He's not walked multiple batters in his last four starts. Started the season with two plus walks in four straight starts. Uh, the Red Sox are five and three when he starts. Should be six and two. We don't need to talk about the fucking Kenley blown save on Saturday. Should be six and two when Chris Sale starts. Padres hitters, 293. So they do have success with an 864 OPS. Rugnet Odor, 0 for 7 with four strikeouts. Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts against Chris Sale. How fucking far back do we have to go? 2016? This is like the White Sox numbers? Yep. Uh, Xander Bogarts, 5 for 12 with a home run against Chris Sale. I'm not looking forward to that matchup. That's actually going to make me sad. Like, I don't care. It's like, oh, Paxton versus Xander Bogarts. Who cares? Like, it's not. They weren't teammates. They didn't win a championship together. Corey Kluber in a Red Sox uniform versus Xander Bogarts. Who gives a fuck? Um, but Xander versus sale, that's going to make me sad, especially knowing that he's got five for 12 with some damage there. 1200 OPS. Um, okay. Corey Kluber, two and five, six forty one ERA, 147 whip and a 7.6 strikeouts per nine. Uh, you got Whitlock around the corner. Crawford is, uh, back in the pen discussions about Kluber's long-term future on the team should pick up, um, with this start. Success or fail, in my opinion. The Red Sox have won three of Kluber's eight starts. Um, by no coincidence, two of those wins have come in his uh, only two walkless starts this year. When he walks, guys, it's bad news. Talked about that earlier. He's allowed a home run in every single start and two home runs in three of them. That's a problem. Kluber's career worst home runs per nine was 1.3 in his rookie year, and his career number is 0.9. This year, it's 2.5. So walking guys and giving up bombs, not the uh, recipe for success. <clears throat> Padres hitters, 267 with a 785 OPS. Uh, Xander, the matchup that everyone is looking at here. Xander Bogarts versus Corey Kluber. Eight for 32, two doubles, seven strikeouts, but a 585 OPS. 
Prediction time. Prediction time. Again, it is James Paxton versus Blake Snell, Chris Sale versus Joe Musgrove, and Corey Kluber versus Michael Walker. By the way, uh, me and Tyler were correct on the predictions for the Seattle Mariners series. Boom. I Can I tip my cap to you? Why? Uh, because I, I picked the order. Yeah, and I was like trying to talk you out of them hitting Luis Castillo, and you ended up mm-hmm. being right. I didn't nail Marco Gonzalez, but I tried to talk to, talk you out of Castillo, and you nailed yeah. that one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That one was for Bullet. <laughs> don't. What? I dedicated. The you, you can't to dedicate Bullet. shit to him. He don't. Why? He doesn't accept it from you. Why? You said he was on fire like Charmander's tail. I said I. I. I that's not what I said. Play it back. <laughs> he gone! Anyways, prediction time. Um, I, I'm going to go two out of three again. And I think that they will lose the finale, which sucks. I hate <sighs> that. I hate when you win a series, but you lose the last game because then you like walk it. Because that's, isn't that predictable? Like you should beat Blake Snell. You should beat Joe Musgrove, but Walk has been throwing the ball really well lately. Corey Kluber sucks, and it just feels like the sports radio vortex needs, even though they win the series, they need something to bitch about, and that thing that they're going to bitch about is, why did you sign Corey Kluber and not Michael Waka? We know the answer. I mean, like, if you're a Red Sox fan, you know. like Kluber was a one-year deal. Waka wanted four years. He got it. He wasn't going to get four years here. Like, I'm fine. I'm like obviously I like, I think Kluber sucks and I don't want him in the rotation anymore. But I'm fine not giving four years to Michael Walker. It's not a so lack of it's not a lack of talent. You have the arms. It's just how they're kind of organizing these arms. Yeah, I I am more than fine with not signing Michael Walker. But I just know the collision course that we're going to be on with fucking Red Sox Twitter when that game happens. So I'm going two out of three. I think they're going to win the first two. I think they're going to lose the last one. Uh, Jake, what do you got? Uh, this one's giving me sweet vibes. I'm going Red Sox <laughs> taking all three. Yeah. What part about it, like, do you think stands out the most for like a sweep? Just like the whole playing three games thing and winning all three of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. I see that. That's a fair point. I mean, you bring up a good point. Um, Tyler, what do you think? I'm gonna want to die every time I see pictures of Devers and Xander. Uh, during this, I'm not looking forward to any of that on my timeline. Um, Denver City still talks to Xander every day. I'm happy. That makes me happy. I just don't, I can't see them together because it makes me start thinking about it. But I will say, mm-hmm. Xander, as much as we've talked about his hot start to the season, been cold for some time. Uh, this yeah. month, hit him 184. Not ideal. Um, now, would it be probably right on cue for him to get hot against the Red Sox? Yeah. But I think I actually line up with where you went, Jared. Uh, I think they're going to, I think the Red Sox are hot right now. The bats have really got going the last two games. Blake Snell, someone who puts a ton of guys on base. That's what this lineup should excel against, right? Probably going to get another Rob Ref Snyder start. We know he mashes lefties. Chris Sale versus Musgrove. Part of me feels like, are we due for a bad Chris Sale start at this point? Um, no. But I, I think we're going to get another good one. The, but even then, it's like the Red Sox has seen Michael Walk a bit. So do I fear him? No, but I think Corey Kluber is going to get his shit absolutely kicked in. I wouldn't be surprised if Sale is like fine in the second game. Um, but I think the Padres, morale-wise, they're down right now. Manny Machado is still day-to-day. He has that fracture in his hand, and everyone doesn't really yeah. know 
what's going to happen. Well, and not- sucked. That's almost like a bad thing. He's been asked this year. I'd yes, but no. You'd be terrified of Manny Machado in a big moment. You would be. Don't lie. Yes, you would. You'd be I shaking, would. and I would be shaking no. as well. Um, no. But I, I do think they pulled two out of three here. And honestly, I think the first game is probably going to be like a pretty good beatdown, similar to the last two. Second close, third, the Red Sox get railed again. It'll look like the final game of the Cardinal series. Wow. You think they're going to get blown out in the finale? Yeah, I think the final game. And I think Xander hits a home run during the series because it's just that's how the Definitely. universe works. He, de- he probably hits like two. Just as a, a fuck you. And you know what? It's deserved in some ways. So I'm ready to take it. Okay. All right. Um, any final thoughts, Jake's takes? Yeah, I just want to shout out Matt on Twitter. Uh, he put together a 43 song playlist called R.I.P. Bullet. Wow. And the, uh, the first of all, the cover art for the playlist is a picture of the movie Old Yeller. Um, and then it was every also single, murdered, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, every single song in the playlist is like a car or driving related song. <laughs> so you got songs like Drive by the Cars, Streets, Streets of Philadelphia, Red Dirt Road, this is- Car, Hit by a Car. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a, not even a fair song. Um, don't get hit by a car. I, I will. I, so, uh, yeah, I, shout out, Matt. I don't know. Who's, I don't know who sent it to me via the DMs, but. Someone sent me a uh, fast car by uh, Tracy Chapman. Is that her name? And said, the song reminds me of bullet. So <laughs> shout out to the person who sent me that as well. If only bullet knew how famous he'd one day be. That's what I'm doing this for. Mm-hmm. Bullet lives dog. on in all of us. In me. Anytime that you, <laughs> anytime that you go out on a weekend and just get, fucking shit face drunk and you wake up the next morning and you're like oh my god I feel like I got hit by a car last <laughs> night <laughs> you'll think of bullet <laughs> you were a heartless fuck <laughs> and the podcast okay bye see you Sunday alright people when it's no chase amigos